Bennett. Daniel. Hi. Hello. Hi. Uh, how are things? Annoying. Well, I was going to say annoyed. I thought you were going to say, how are you? So I was ready to say annoyed. I don't know that things are annoying. I guess they are it can annoying. can be. Yeah. Every, well, it's not things every, that are annoying. It's, it's events. Any, so. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. But our event, well, events me, are anyway. things. So I mean, it could be a thing. Like if my phone wasn't working, I'd say that thing is annoying. But in my case, it's I went to the dentist and that event was annoying. Oh. Is your dentist's name Crentist? Uh, yeah, Dentist the Crentist. They're all <laughs> named that, actually, or some some variation. I um, I haven't been to the dentist in my adult life, essentially. Like, it's been a decade, and so I didn't anticipate things going that well. But secretly, I did. I was trying <laughs> to prepare myself. But honestly, I think I have above-average oral hygiene. Like, I use a water pick daily. I rinse uh, daily. I, you know, use a three-minute timer twice daily on my Sonicare Black Diamond uh, series. Like, it's, wow. it's a, you know, yeah, Black Diamond. It's like that's like the hardest ski slope. Yeah, it's like uh, I think there, I think there's a kind of diamonds that are extra sharp. You know, I'm assuming mm-hmm. uh, extra hard and shiny. Wow, uh, your teeth could cut glass. Yeah, basically. And so what I was hoping for is to kind of like say, okay, look, I haven't been to the dentist in like seriously 10 years, but uh, they're going to go, I want them to say, wow, I can't believe that. Because honestly, I look at my teeth and I figured on, I could see one little cavity area, which, you know, got, you know, it happens, I guess. Um, and then I anticipated them. I mean, everything else looks good. And that is pretty much, I mean, there's like, there was a few more than I anticipated, uh, but it's going to be $580 out of pocket and that's wow. with insurance. And so that's for annoying. to get the cavities filled. Yeah. Just to take care of it. Plus they said, and I knew this has been coming for a while. My wisdom teeth are, they're coming in sideways so they could be very difficult. Um, and they need to be Wait, removed. You still have, you still have your wisdom teeth. Yeah. I've never had my wisdom teeth taken out. Jeez. So I mean, most people get them taken out like a lot earlier. Is that true? Yeah. Um, I mean, most people don't wait until they're our age to have their wisdom teeth taken out. Usually it just either it's recommended there that you get them taken out earlier or they start causing problems earlier. Yeah, I don't that's I guess the thing is they've always said, "Yep, I see them and they're fine." And then it became I see them and you know, keep an eye on it. And then this time they were like, yeah, you need to go ahead and get them out. And I honestly feel like I've heard people from all ages. Like, I don't think of getting your wisdom teeth as like a a 12 year old thing or a a 20 year old thing. thing. Well, yeah, Um, it's more like a 20 year old thing. Like in your, when when did you get yours out? Um, in college. Was, how was the experience? Because I I hear it it ranges from I hear it ranges from like, oh, really was whatever, it didn't matter, like I was fine, I was ready to go to work the next day, to like, I was out for two weeks. I really have heard Um, that sort of extreme end where they were like vomiting for weeks and like felt terrible. That seems like the range. Um, I would probably be on the lower end of that range. It wasn't, I mean, it definitely wasn't fun, enjoyable, or easy, but it like it didn't put me out of commission. It was just a very unpleasant experience. Um a lot of people, you know, they get knocked out. They're, um, uh, you know, they're unconscious during it. But but I wasn't, so I was just on, you know, nitrous and drugs or whatever, and was fully conscious 
yeah. listening uh, listening to music. That's what I did. I put on, put sounds on, frustrating on, to be awake. Ugh. Put on headphones and just listen to music. And you know, you're so numbed up and everything that you that there's not really any pain, but the crunching and all like that's just really Ugh. pretty unpleasant. Uh, and, it's really the, the recovery that I'm concerned about too. Like you can you can weather a bad surgery but that recovery is what like is that what kicks your butt like what like i just want to feel better afterward yeah well i'm kind of the reverse like you know i don't want to go through some traumatic surgery event especially while i'm awake to participate in it but you know the recovery how bad is that going to be if it's just some dull pain or something you know i can deal with that for a few days my recovery wasn't so i don't even really remember the recovery being anything that's significant um like for me it was just the normal i guess like you don't have to eat like soft foods or something for a day or two and then you can't drink out of a straw uh, i mean i guess i should qualify i definitely don't want to have this terrible traumatic experience but like i'm i'm more anxious look the new school year is coming around the corner and like either want to wait till next summer if at all possible like they're i'm going to consult with like an oral uh specialist and he's going to tell me you can wait or you need to do it now or whatever. But I, I just am anxious about the school year. And the last thing I want is to do it like two days before, uh, all the kids come back and then I'm like swollen faced and woozy and have to take a week off the first week of school or something crazy like that. Like, ah, that sounds miserable. Yeah. Um, You probably, I mean, I guess some people do have worse recoveries. I just think it's pretty rare that you would have to take off a week. Um, probably take off a Friday and get it done on Friday and then recuperate over the weekend and probably be fine to teach on Monday. Or you could just, you know, do a crappy lesson on Monday <laughs> kind of a and just give some worksheets or teach one of the easy letters of the dictionary, like E or something. There's like plenty of letters, plenty of words that start with E. So plenty of words with E. I could just come up let with them e go words, wild. skip to E. Yeah. No, I was actually planning on doing crappy lessons all year long, so oh, right, it might be right. a nice tone. So you like, could get all your teeth taken out. Why stop with the wisdom teeth then, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, exactly. I've had <laughs> I've had seven good years of teaching, and so it's time to get all my teeth taken out and crappy lessons every day. Like that's That just sounds like a good plan. Like hmm. seven out of eight year, good years, that's... Uh, that's still okay. That's, Anyone would still hire you with seven out of eight good years so i think so might as well i mean like even in a normal week we have we have two days of the week that are just kind of left for you know doing whatever just the weekend so i would say that out of seven years really two of those years you should have just been doing nothing right so i have uh excess years to waste right <sighs> yeah, no, the money thing is annoying though, and insurance, and it's confusing because it says it's it's a three thousand dollars for if you look at all the numbers, you know, two two ninety something, twenty nine hundred, whatever. But I'm paying six hundred, so that makes you feel good that it's five eighty two nah, instead of paying all. 3, not really. 000. It doesn't make me feel good. That's it pretty crazy. I didn't realize it was that expensive for just getting filling fillings done. Are yeah, you getting the gold? You must be getting the gold ones. And doing uh, like a grill, getting like carat, a, I said. get a grill some or something. Are you gonna get some diamond, design. diamond embedded grills <laughs> black, so you can use your diamond. black diamond Sonicare <laughs> on them? Uh, I don't know. I don't know how all this works. Except they've scheduled four different times. I, I'm suspicious. Wait, of four that different a times. Bit. You have yeah, to go no. back four times. 
Yes. And it's not what? that serious because it sounds like I have some giant thing, but he's like, no, I just like to do one quadrant at a time. I'm like, um, why can't he just do all of them? And I've thought about this. I mean, this just happened, so I haven't thought about it a lot, but a lot of people cancel. So if, let's just say it would take three hours to do. I don't know how long it would take to do all this, but let's say three hours. That seems like plenty of time to fill some cavities. Yeah. Um, but if I canceled on him, which maybe happens quite a bit in dentistry, I feel like people are always moving their dentist appointments around and stuff, that he's lost three hours. But if he were to say, here, let's do it in these series of schedules, mm-hmm. then he can... I honestly feel like he's doing it for himself and not for me. Because me going back and back and back is sounds annoying and uh, like... I'd rather just take inefficient. it all at once. I mean, yeah, yeah, inefficient for him. Ultimately, if he could rely on schedule, you're gonna have to get drugged up four times instead of one time. Exactly. I mean, not really. Well, drugged, I mean, it's just but, numbing. You know, but nitrous yeah, stuff. I'd anyway. rather not have that stuff. Yeah. Right. So you're gonna get. I don't like it. Your brain cells. Uh, I'm just four irritable. Times. And I'm bringing it to the podcast, and I hope that it spreads to you because I just want my <laughs> anger to, to fester and, and right. make everything worse. I was trying to think of yeah. a, a good new uh, recurring segment, and one just could be um, – I, I, don't, I haven't thought of a catchy name for it. It could be just like things – like Bennett complains or something. Because <laughs> I complain. It a grinds pretty... my gears or gets oh, my yeah. <laughs> That really gets my gears. Uh, gets my really gears. grinds my goat. Grinds my goat. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, really grinds my goat. Yeah, I guess that has Sounds been. Sounds dirty. Uh, yeah, it does. Kind of. Grinds my gooch. Um, I guess that I just spit on my water. You're drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> could you hear that? Yeah, I could that hear. kind of laugh. There goes the microphone. Yeah, your mouth is full. <laughs> Time to buy fillings and a microphone. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, but... I mean, I do kind of complain a lot, but I guess that is sort of a a lot. A lot of people complain about things, and that's kind of common fare. But yeah, know. but it's interesting to think about things that annoy you more than they should. Because if like I said stubbing my toe annoys me, like whatever. But cyclists, yeah, that's something <sighs> that maybe annoys lots of people, but you react extra strong to something. I like hate that. those guys, man. They really you piss me cyclists? off. Cyclists? Is that really an accurate word? Or are they just kind of mildly agitate you well, for a moment? So- um, so, you know, assuming that they, uh, they are only a cyclist when they're on their cycle on the road in my way, you know, if it was a person just standing in line behind me at the grocery store and they happened to be a cyclist and I didn't know, then, you know, I wouldn't hate them then. What if you did? What if you're in that obnoxious... I wish I knew. That, that, I wish like, I knew. spandexy they, thing, you know, that, that, like, it's always colorful. Yeah, and, like, they should have to ha- be labeled. They should have a big, like, C, a red C emblazoned onto their clothes <laughs> so I know that whenever a cyclist is around so I can just be really mean to them. The Scarlet C... These are the kind of people probably that in the grocery checkout line anyway would just kind of stand in the middle of the checkout lane and not do anything, not obey the rules. They probably have 30 items in the 15-item line. <laughs> so I'm assuming your issue Dis- is – Disregard the people with the carts. You know, the people – they probably walk around with the baskets and like swing the baskets right. around. And the people with carts are like, excuse me, excuse me. And they're just like, oh, uh, the, the aisles are for me and my basket too. And <laughs> – so what I'm hearing is your issue with cyclists is that they have an entitlement attitude on the road. Yeah, and they don't obey the laws, and they're slow compared to cars. 
I don't like when it's very clearly not a heavily trafficked sidewalk. Like there's no no pedestrians walking. It's a smooth, big sidewalk, and they choose to ride in the road uh, as an alternative. Now, I'm sure a cyclist will go, well, that's not safe, or that's not how it's supposed to be done, or whatever, but I don't Screw care you. if it's a busy yeah, road, care. and there's Get no the one road. on this big piece that they could be off to the side. Like, no. Or Roads if they are for make- cars. Not well, they bikes. were definitely designed for cars. And what about, are you okay with like a city that makes a big spacious bike lane so that you're not interfered with and they can, you know, everything kind of works out, right? Or are it's you better. annoyed some? No, it's better. I mean, obviously that's better than having them on the road for cars and not for bikes. Um, better to have a bike lane. Even better to have a whole separate bike path where they are just out of the way. But honestly, sidewalks, that's where they should be. I mean, look, think about it this way. If drivers and cyclists have this headbutting on the road and cyclists are like, mm, the road can be for cyclists and car- and people in cars are like, no, the roads are for cars. Why is the same argument inadmissible on a sidewalk? Pedestrians and cyclists would have the same headbutting and pedestrians would go, oh, the sidewalk's for pedestrians and cyclists would go, oh, well, we could ride on the sidewalks. The argument is just as applicable in both places. I, I argue right. it's even – it's it's – it, it would be preferable to have the argument on the sidewalk because if a cyclist hits a pedestrian, then the injuries are like, you know, some bruising and scratching and, and maybe a broken bone at worst. Right. If the argument, if the, th- if the interaction goes wrong on the road, then potentially someone could die. So, like, just stay off the road. Get on the sidewalk and ring your little bells to tell people to get out of the way. Or, <laughs> like, honestly, like... Do all cy- cyclists have bells and a basket, I assume. They should. Yeah, <laughs> they some, should. Some little, str- what are they called? Streamers on the side of the handles. Yeah, yeah some <laughs> streamers. a baseball card in, their, uh, in the yeah. spokes. Yeah, delivering you know? a newspaper periodically as they <laughs> pass mailboxes. Extra, yeah, extra. Uh, that's how they should be is off yeah. the road over there delivering their papers and delivering crap. the newspapers <clears throat> and no one reads newspapers anymore so, so we there's don't no need, need for cyclists <laughs> exactly i'm glad i've converted you to my side well you are right that the stakes are just way higher i mean a, a car meets a cyclist and there's carnage um that's probably where they got the word from probably carnage. so um and then when it's just a pedestrian you know like you said it's just the stakes aren't as high. Not to mention, I feel like the interactions are going to happen slower with a cyclist and a pedestrian. Like, there's just... Yeah, there's more time to react. And, like, additionally, so let's imagine someone is walking on the sidewalk and a cyclist is coming towards them. Something has to happen. Like, it's easy for the cyclist to just go, whoop, and, like, a, a bike can ride on grass or dirt and essentially perform just the same a person can walk on grass or dirt and perform just the same so they both have the option of like getting off of the path quickly yeah, making way they can no they, they can both issue. navigate around the obstacle relatively easily on the road that's not the case a car can't exactly just swerve over the curb with i mean it can but not without incurring some damage to the tires or whatever and not that's not to mention things like mailboxes and posts right. and whatever other things I mean, next to the road. Not, you don't have as much control like our body we are finely tuned to to move our bodies and, and a cycle is a is a step removed from that a, a bicycle is a yes. step removed from that but still more navigable than than a car is like honestly the front two wheels turn and and, and that's it like that's for this big you know several ton machine like it's not mm-hmm. that uh 
nuanced in its maneuverability. Right. Yeah. So screw cyclists. Screw screw cyclists. I'm, convinced. I'm now angry. You're right. It does spread the anger. They're the worst. Good. It feels really good. They're terrible. It's really bad. I mean, it's the worst when they drive on busy highways that don't have bike lanes or sidewalks or, or any or even really a shoulder. So they're just on the road. And they need to make up their mind. Like, like sometimes they drive like a foot from the edge of the road, and mm-hmm. but it's just a one-lane you know, one lane on each side road. And so you have to sit there and kind of piddle around behind them until, oh, should I pass now? Should I pass now? And, you know, if they would just ride in the middle of the road, then obviously you couldn't pass them, but then people would continue to hate them. Yeah, but, they, they, but they do tease you in the sort of passing, like why not just get off the road when you notice a car is coming or avoid very congested areas because it can't be pleasurable for them. I imagine it's fairly stressful, even if you feel entitled, even if you blah, 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 like deep down, there's no way that's comfortable to just be a part of. Right. I agree. And I, I try to make it as stressful as possible whenever I encounter (laughs) a cyclist on the road, just for that reason. horns, yelling, shaking your fist angrily. Yeah, right. Hopefully to yeah. discourage them from continuing their, their hobby on my roads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Honestly, the uh, like that's the worst thing. But another thing that I see very often <clears throat> is they just they don't obey uh, stop lines, stop lights, and um, and stop signs. Like, so if they're they, all legalistic about how they're entitled to the road as well, yet they're not legalistic when it doesn't suit them. Right. Yeah, if I can, if I if I can be so bold as to generalize to cyclists, which I have been anyway, then they're they're all hypocrites um, because they, you know, they want some laws and don't want others. Like a lot of times, I see them at traffic lights. They will, uh, you know, if the if the traffic light is green, then they'll you know they'll ride through it as if they're a car. But otherwise, they'll wait for the little you know walking man pedestrian symbol, and then they'll pretend they're a pedestrian for a while and and cross as a pedestrian, and that's that's just some crap right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, my distaste for them is much milder, but still there. It's it, it's because I'm a defensive driver, so I'm always looking for the problems that could occur. And for the most part, you want to be aware of other cars around you on the road, of course, mm-hmm. of course. But like, are you really, especially in congested traffic, taking note of the dozens if not hundreds of cars around you you don't have to take account for each one you just want to notice bad behavior but when you see a cyclist you uh for me i I tense i don't like physically tense up but i i'm on higher alert so i they are disrupting the comfort of my drive i have to pay attention (laughs) because they're less predictable Mm -hmm. um there's always that issue of if i'm going to take a right turn and i'm in an area and like there's a bike lane and i kind of cross over how does this work like are they what if what if they're coming up behind me or what if i'm coming up to them say i'm turning into my place or an apartment complex or something like that and they're crossing over there's just a lot of weirdness uh and and you have to be extra alert and it's that's the frustration so even if you have a polite biker or cyclist uh they just make me uncomfortable and and by their very existence so Mm -hmm. stop existing cyclists yeah why don't they just get stationary bikes and ride those inside and then they're not a menace to anyone stationary bikes inside Mm -hmm. yeah uh, like an exercise piece of equipment. I just thought, <laughs> yeah, they should just do that. Uh, that would be better for man, everyone. Why? Why do they even bother making like like exercise bikes 
so oftentimes they will either they'll even put a wheel that will spin i mean sometimes they don't but a lot of gears turn and they make it resemble a bike i don't know they could be more inventive if you're just sitting there and pedaling i feel like you could get a lot more inventive uh with with the whole construct and they i guess they well daniel there's no need to reinvent the wheel (laughs) bazinga that was good Ah, that's us and we will shift subjects on that no Are you ready for Daniel Does Science? Oh my god, yes. I mean, no, I figure, I'm I figure after already. you after you go to the dentist and, you know, have kind of an annoyed annoying day, I've just worked you up into being annoying uh, annoyed about cyclists and now's the perfect time to test your knowledge of the universe and how it works. Ugh, yeah, fine. Whatever. Like <laughs> like it's just going to be embarrassing like, <laughs> maybe not I, I don't maybe know. not i mean you it, don't know but you kind of do i just don't it know depends i mean i, I, I think i have a pretty good idea <laughs> i think i have a pretty good idea about the things that you will and won't know um like when the last time when i asked you about the sizes of atoms and stuff yeah. i kind of knew that you would be like i don't know well, because it what, doesn't matter to me, I too. I didn't is. retain much. Exactly. Like, I didn't retain it. Like, I can comprehend in that moment because... But really, and this is my belief about learning in general, is there's got to be interest because there's an immediate... There's meaning attached to it. And if it's not meaningful to me, uh, I'm not saying it's not meaningful, like, you know, like as if I'm some lord of determining meaning. But if it's not meaningful to me, like, you know, it goes in one ear and out the other. And that's just true for everyone. And so... Uh, oftentimes, like, I still don't know, like, you know, getting into to some of the nitty gritties of science, you know, <laughs> I don't know much. Hit me with it. What do you got for me? Um, well, I, because you know, I've already kind of annoyed you a bit, I'll let you choose. Would you rather, what, would you rather do biology, Daniel does biology, or Daniel does astronomy? Oh, um, um. Let's do astronomy, you know, because I was I'm a I was a Sagittarius, but uh, <laughs> but what? But uh, they changed but they re- them. But the uh, the astrological the astronomical signs all shifted around, uh-huh. and uh, and I'm no longer I don't know what I am now. It's I'm that new one, yeah. And I don't care. And I was making identity. a joke anyway. I don't. I know. I know that much that there's a difference between astronomy and astrology. Mm-hmm. Um, well, why don't we yeah. start off real easy and just have you name the planets? You can, you should, should probably probably can manage that. Uh, uh, like there's Mars and Jupiter and Saturn and, yeah. and um, um, an Earth and That's, yeah. Neptune and yeah. um, how many are there? There's like nine or something. I mean, Pluto. Um, I mean, it, this is one of those I would, I would. What, what about? I'm not going to go. Oh, I've never heard, or I didn't know that one. I'll just sure. go. Oh, okay. So I would, I would know these. How many did I list? And are there uh, nine or so? Am I thirteen or you've got like six. Uranus? Are we counting oh. Uranus? No, yeah, you, it is. You've got seven. <laughs> um, should we should we count Uranus or no? Um, well, I believe so. Wasn't it like it was de- degraded and then. <laughs> And, or you know, is ripped of its status as a planet, and then someone it was, de- it, degraded. Are you making <laughs> what kind of joke? I mean, this is really the lowest of low hanging fruits it was, here. It was reinstated, you know. Someone um, 
Wait, they the took, one that I'm they missing? took it out. They took Uranus out, and then they you know the reinsert. <laughs> they reinserted it back as its status. I really think it was re. So I think it is. I'm not sure though. Or it's you know whatever. Um, Neptune. I said. Did I say that? Do you, do you know what I said and not said? I think so. Yeah. There, I think you only. I think did you I have say? said seven planets so far. Um. What about the moon? No, that's not like it's not a planet. It's an orbiting like meteor or something. <laughs> I know it's not, <laughs> but I know it's not a planet. <laughs> Why not? Moons are its own like category. Each one, each planet has a has some moon. Like like some have oh, yeah. more than one moon. Uh, oh. I know that. I don't know what has what, but I know sure. like some will have two moons. And like it's a it's a trope in sci fi to have several moons. I think. Uh, that was there was some charm added to the world of of Star Wars with the the moon. The du- was it was it just two moons? I don't know. Um, what are you talking about? Uh, in the first Star Wars, uh, a lot a New Hope. Uh, yeah. When they showed uh, Luke's homeland, I forget the 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 barren. Oh, the two uh, moons at at Moonset. Yeah, it was just that always struck me. It was cool to do. It was just a nice right. piece that adds to the <clears throat> the. I'm not going to say ambiance, but almost like. The adventure, like, oh, yeah, they're not on Earth. And that was a good reminder of that. Anything they can do. Because otherwise it just looked like a desert, like, pretty standard desert. Uh, right, right. Um, Those um, are bright moons. Uh, um, yeah, they were. It wasn't quite sun. It was like sunset. Are you giving me a clue or something? Um, just, right. No. Uh, I'm just saying those weren't moons. Oh, it in that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought they were moons in that scene. Those um, are suns. Sunset. Uh, it was duels. Uh, okay. Um, I just don't remember it that well. Uh, okay. Oh, what am I missing? You got I seven. Okay. What am I missing? Um, so what about the... So you've actually got all the planets from Earth and further out. You're only missing... Oh, closer? Um, yeah. Oh. Did I say Mar- Mars? I mean, no. That's that's the third. That's that's we're the third planet from the sun, and then right. Mars is the closest one to us. Um, yes. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on what's closer. Uh, Mercury. There you go. That's it. And then there's one other one. I know. Uh, something. Mer- is Mercury the closest to the sun? Mm-hmm. Um, Mercury. Mm, I don't know. I, Jupiter, what, I said Jupiter and Saturn and Neptune. And men, all. men are from Mars. Venus, Venus. There you go. Women are from Venus. Okay. Got it. I didn't have to tell you any of the planets. Well, names. you had to so give me some clues, but like I, I hey, not bad. Yeah, I would say that that's about what the average person would probably, and maybe even better. I don't know. Um, hmm. Yeah, makes me want to ask freshmen in high school. And I guess I will say since I, I guess. One of our five listeners is probably uh, <laughs> probably complaining that Pluto is not a planet. P- Pluto is the one that got degraded. Uranus wasn't degraded. It's um, Pluto oh. that was turned. It's not a not a planet anymore. <laughs> oh, so Uranus so. is definitely in. It's on the end. No one's yes. debating your the status of Uranus. Everyone agrees that Uranus is definitely in. Okay. Um, high status, high status, high status Uranus. Um, yeah, so Pluto technically not a planet, whatever. I still call it a planet because why not? Because it's small. Well, 
there is, there's reasons about like whether like what constitutes a planet. I'm sure like definable ones in which they say, oh, and now it's more gas or it's not. It's not gas. It's rock and ice. It's just small. Well, what makes a planet a planet? Just like a. Hey, I'm the one asking questions here. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good question, though. You're right. Yeah, you're right. I I, actually, I'm not sure that there is a. I guess there probably is a definition that well, they yeah, have decided. Well, yeah, because the moon's solid, but it's in orbit around us, and we're in orbit around the sun. So if it's in an orbit, if it's big enough to have mass that makes it, you know, the gravitational pull with the sun and Whoa, all whoa, that. whoa. What is all the science that you're throwing at me here? <laughs> you're like a regular old astrologist. Yes, I am. <laughs> Are you Sagittarius himself? <laughs> Oof. Man, naming all the planets left and right, talking about gravitational pulls and orbits, and maybe whoop. we should switch. Maybe I didn't. I'm such an expert. We should just go to biology. You maybe know? so. <laughs> so you uh, you guessed all the planets. Uh, what's the biggest one? Um, I want to say Jupiter or Saturn. Saturn has the rings around it and is wow. big. Um, yeah. I think Jupiter. J- Jupiter. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. And the smallest one. Um. I mean, I guess it's Pluto. Yeah. Or, yeah, I guess that's easy since we kind of yeah, talked about that. Since that's the one that's... I would have said Uranus. I would have been uh, wrong about that. Which one's the furthest away? Is it is that Pluto? It must be Pluto too? Or yeah. I thought it was Uranus. Like, I was, I thought always thought Pluto. Uranus. So I'm just confusing the two. Like, Pluto is the f- farthest away and the smallest and all of that. Like, poor little guy. Like, he's just yeah. way out there, barely... Barely cold. even being counted. He's very cold. And, not getting much yeah. light. Yeah. Yeah. Not much light. For, barely for hanging him. on. Yeah. So I've got a question for you. Okay. Um, <clears throat> why doesn't, you know, the earth is round and we yeah. have the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere and gravity pulls everything down. So why doesn't all the water just like drop down to the bottom of the earth and fall, and fall <laughs> off? Um, well, is it up and down? Like, I mean, it's kind of like relative. So, uh, there in space, there's no North and South. I don't think we just kind of are relational to other things like the sun. Well, wouldn't you just be able to use a compass? Well, uh, the needle needle would point you to it. Well, there's, I have one answer for that. Magnets. <laughs> and magnets uh, do this mysterious thing where it pulls you, it pulls the needle toward north, mm-hmm. unless you know you're in the, you're in a weird magnetic field and things are going on. So we obviously live in an atmosphere. The atmosphere of the Earth like oh. contains things, and so the water. Um, as far as well, what do you mean the water? It keeps all the water from falling. Well, it keeps all the water and people. But like, yeah, I mean, the reason you experience gravity the same on the on the northernmost tip as you do on the southernmost tip. I mean, maybe you don't. Maybe there's some super slight difference because it isn't at the equator. You might weigh, you know, differently. I don't know if it's Why? more or less. Why would that be the case? Um, well, uh, isn't it? So the well, I'm not, still not. As, I'm not hearing why the water doesn't just fall off the bottom anyway. Oh, well, you know, um, gravity is contained within at the atmosphere. Once you leave the atmosphere, um, there's no gravity. And so oh. this, this 
gravity uh so there's mass in the center of the earth and it creates a pull just like we're being pulled by the sun the center uh-huh. of the earth pulls us toward the earth the center wow. of the earth wow um so if you want to find out where the center of the earth is you just hold a pin up really high uh-huh well this if we're on the outermost edge it doesn't matter it's going to be going toward the center but like It'll just go straight down from where you drop it, I suppose. Right. Um, so that's um, what down is. Down is, yes, when something falls down, it is being pulled to the center of the earth. It's just that, you know, objects get in the way, like huh. the earth itself. Interesting. Um. <laughs> what's, your, uh, what's your confidence level in, in this uh, theory? Uh, well, this sounds... It's just a weird way of saying gravity, which I'm pretty sure is just right. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> like, like the reason things fall down, down is toward the center of the earth. But so just for a second, I was kind of playfully thinking like if you drop something, wouldn't it be weird if, if the center of the earth was to the left of you? So you drop something and it would fall to the left, you know, like your items right. would fall. But like if we're on the outer, outermost <laughs> of the see. earth. It's yeah. just gonna fall right to the earth, like sure. um, if if for some reason, yeah, there's just no. It just you'd have to be, yeah, I don't know. Like it's no matter what you do, the center of the earth is right below you, right, right, because <laughs> like, the earth is round. You're in a sphere, it's a sphere. Yeah, 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 roughly, yeah, roughly. Hmm. So uh, if so, that's the case, so if your theory is true. And everything gets pulled towards the center of the Earth. Why doesn't the moon fall straight down onto the Earth? Um, that's not as easy to answer. I suppose it's the same reason we don't fly to the sun. Like, why don't we? Uh, I don't really know. I mean, maybe we will in like a bajillion, bajillion years. Like maybe we're slowly spiraling toward it or the earth is, or the moon is coming to, like, I don't understand orbits. I understand that the gravitational pull keeps us from just like, it's why we stay close to the sun. Like I can buy this idea of gravitational pull and masses or like the bigger the mass I don't. I don't know why the size. I, I understand this to be true. Um, that the size of something, the bigger the mass, the more gravitational pull, and it has to be absolutely uh-huh. massive to have any gravitational pull. Uh-huh. I don't understand why. Like what the heck? Like if you just take this by theory. I mean, this is a silly way to think of it, but like take a take a fat person. If they eat one more hamburger, <laughs> they'll start to. Like things will start to be attracted to them. They'll literally start to pull things. In our experience, that's the opposite, right? (laughs) Exactly. It it repels things. No, but like (laughs) just take the the example silly, but now imagine a superhuman, like a giant, and then one as big Mm -hmm. as the earth or or not not quite as big as the earth. So no pool. And then like a little bit bigger starts to have pool. Like like this mysterious (laughs) thing starts to you know, because of its size, like we all have mm-hmm. a little bit of gravitational pull, I suppose you have to have a little, so little, it doesn't matter. It's not measurable by our current scientific methods, but mm-hmm. if we were to expand some and be huge and have a proper density, we would pull things toward us. I mean, that's what a, a black hole. Oh, I, I have a feeling you were going to, you need to ask me about that, but like, it's like this ultra dense gravitational pull that's so, 
that maybe pulls things in, but it's also like, I don't know, it like pulls things in and crushes them under, oh man, I'm way out there. And just, you uh, are way out there, man. But God, you're, uh, you're doing pretty well with astronomy actually. Um, um, so far. Well, thanks. But, but I'm I, still, I don't, I'm still waiting I don't know to hear why. why the moon. Okay. Yeah. Why the moon doesn't crash into the earth is because, uh, like the, the pool is, great but not so great as to bring it crashing in so it must in some ways want chaos like the moon and everything else wants to just float about randomly and because we have enough size in this gravitational pull we are pulling it and its resistance is just great enough that it becomes this kind of nice so it's just as it's pulling it's almost like a a dog on a chain like running around in circles i guess like and so you're, just... you're saying you're saying that everything generally is chaotic and trying to just go all over it right? would until it interacts <clears throat> but, with something else yeah. but we have because we have this kind of gravitational leash on it that it can't like run away yeah that's what i'm saying it makes sense to me i well, just don't if know if the moon is running around randomly, like <laughs> wouldn't sometimes its running direction randomly be towards Earth, and sometimes it would be away? So wouldn't sometimes, like you know, when your dog is on a leash and it runs at you, like your I leash would, doesn't do any I good for you? I would say it's not changing. Okay, that makes sense to me. Except it was it was going or once it was randomly going a direction. That's just the way it was going. Like it doesn't. It's not once it's in motion. What. As Newton's third law of mechanics said, <laughs> as E wow. equals MC squared. What I'm saying, to put it in layman's terms, right. is that once an object is in motion, it, it's the law of perpetual motion. So once something's in motion, it it <laughs> remains in motion forever. Yeah. Well, it, until something stops it, like gravity or whatever. Oh. And so, so no, really, like if, 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 near if there was nothing, near, well, no, it is perpetual. It's just something stops it so it's perpetual until it stops well it does it, in in realistic terms just think abstractly for with me for a second so like mm-hmm. if there was no gravity if there was no wind resistance if there was nothing and i threw a ball in space like it would just continue going and it wouldn't change directions it would just continue going indefinitely until it hit a star like a planet or whatever or got pulled into a gravitational pull whatever oh, and so yeah, that's okay, how so okay. picture the moon is so things are just randomly so going the moon they're not is changing just directions just like floating just one direction floating randomly around, and then it comes one direction the earth and yes and then gets stuck then in its orbit gets stuck in the orbit so we so there was not a like yeah i, I uh, this is so funny to think about and probably way wrong but like there's just probably a time we didn't have a moon and then it, it got in our orbit and then hello moon like we've got a moon mm-hmm. now so hmm. it makes sense to me yeah like there was a wow. pre, there was a pre-moon earth wow man i, I gotta <laughs> say i gotta say like honestly you're pretty uh you're pretty dead on with all of your theories actually <laughs> like you've You've nailed the the theory of gravity. You've nailed gravity. Like you, you got that exactly right. Everything has a gravitation. Anything with mass has a gravitational pull. Even small um, things like fat, relatively small things like fat people. The big, the bigger, the more massive a thing is, the more gravity it has. So, Earth has gravity. The Moon has gravity. Obviously, the Earth is. I don't. Under, this pull is mysterious to me, though. Like you're just like. Just this sheer existence starts to physically pull on you. Like that is 
strange to it me. Is, it is strange. I mean, it's strange because, you know, we can't, like, gravity is so natural to us that it just seems like the state of existence of everything around us. Like, you know, when I was a kid and playing with magnets, they seemed so unnatural and strange that these specific kinds of metals could have a force, you know? And when you bounce two, two repelling magnets together, that's weird. Like, that is freaking weird when you do yeah. that. That feeling is like, what is going on? And gravity is really that weird. That's Gravity is just as weird as that. It's just that, you know, we exist within gravity, and so it's, you know, we don't even notice it anymore. So, but it is pretty weird and mysterious, so it, I'll, I'll agree mysterious. with you there. Well, that just means that, like, I do have an infinitesimally small amount of gravitational pull. Like, I do. Like so, mm-hmm. Or right. walking by a, a i mean i get so the density matters so it's not just like a it's house because house or mass okay well, well i mean density might, is must... proportional to mass but mass is what does it so so obviously if something is really dense there's a lot of mass in a small but like space. i could be denser than say a a big um you know like uh cabin or something like a thin thinly walled like cabin i don't know probably not too big denser of a or more massive i would which i would say i would well it would be more dense for sure but all the yeah. masses be, would be added up like of, of all right. the walls and stuff so you know if it, but if it were made out of like um styrofoam and it were you know the size of a house uh mm-hmm. i could be both more dense and have more density and mass right yeah sure like i mean if you had a giant, you know, bouncy castle or something like that, a bouncy castle is probably heavier than you are. Maybe Do, I don't know, but but you know, if you had a really low quality like bouncy castle, then you could mm-hmm. conceivably be more massive. That is heavier, yeah. you know, on Earth than that bouncy castle. Right. Whereas, and you're also more dense, assuming it's inflated, because it's mostly filled with air. Right. So you're right about that. So I mean, you can envision like your body does have a gravitational field. You can imagine if we had this, if we went to the the emptiest part of space and there's just nothing, nothing there, nothing around you, and we stuck you there floating in space, and then we took something with a really, really low mass, like one, like a hydrogen, <clears throat> a hydrogen atom, like the lowest mass thing not really the lowest mass thing but i was a pretty, gonna say a feather but you went pre- way smaller <laughs> a pretty low mass thing and we threw it at you you know right near you so it was gonna miss you but only barely and we and we could somehow trace the path of that hydrogen atom then as it approaches you we could see it get pulled ever slightly closer to you because your gravity pulls it and technically you would get ever so slightly Ever, ever, ever so slightly pulled closer to the hydrogen atom, too, because it has gravity as well. So, is the moon getting closer to us all, all the time? Like, just slowly, slowly, slowly closer to us? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, not in any... It's like the moon's not going to crash into the Earth. Um, that's not a problem. And, well, I mean, not, and in our, it's, not in even a million years, but I'm just saying, is it? Is it like in a trillion trillion years is that the course like i'm uh, guessing well, if they're actually, being attracted to each other wouldn't they be slowly making their way it wouldn't just be perfectly even well you're you're i mean I you're right so. it's not perfectly balanced i don't know what would happen in a trillion years like 
assuming, I mean, I guess the moon, while it's orbiting around Earth, is slowly hitting, you know, space dust and other things, um, and okay, getting pummeled, yeah, by, pummeled by the sun. Just as much, yeah. And yeah. it's affecting it very, very slowly. But I mean, it is friction in some sense, right? Slowing down. It's everything is constantly losing its energy. It's dissipating. So, you know, at least. If you're following that line of thought, then the moon would gradually slow down, and the reason the reason you ha- you had this right as well actually pretty surprising. The reason why the moon doesn't crash into the Earth is because it has velocity; it's moving, and, and it's trapped in the Earth's gravitational field without any resistance. It can just continue to orbit the Earth. You know, we can we can consider it indefinitely. Um, if there's no forces opposing it, it has velocity and it's trapped in the gravitational pull. It will just keep on rotating. But if what you're saying is true, or what I'm saying is true, and it's continually running into tiny dust particles and solar yeah, wind and whatever, things, other slowing it down, yeah. then eventually its speed would decrease. The gravity would start to pull it ever so, ever so slightly closer to Earth until you know some time down the line when it smashes into Earth. Or the orbit of the moon is. Um, it's not perfectly circular, so conceivably, if at a particular point in the orbit it reaches that perfect point, it could get flung out of the Earth's orbit, maybe. But yeah, no, all of those things seem seem just as likely in terms of it hitting little stuff, like all because if it's let's just say it is inching toward Earth, but one inch might be a billion years for all we know. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems just as likely that space dust and little bitty things would would affect it just as much um and maybe in the opposite direction maybe toward it like whatever enough that it just overall ends up i mean just being so negligible that we don't consider the day that the moon's going to crash into us because that's not happening like it's not it's not i wonder which i wonder over the over the time span in which we are supposing that the moon would either crash into earth or get flung out of orbit what, is it more likely that some big asteroid or something smashes into the moon and messes things up before then? You know, like if we're oh, saying man. that it's a trillion years. I mean, I guess I'm not actually sure what the lifespan of the sun is because, you know, apparently the sun is going to change phase and swallow up the planets sometime down the line anyway. And so we, it might kind of be a, a moot point whether the moon is going to crash into the earth if the sun is just going to eat it all do you this is a quick aside that has to do with that though do you remember a sh- uh, show called pop-up video pop yeah i remember that video. pop-up video on vh1 yeah, yeah and they would do music i used to videos like that and yeah well it was a fun way to gather information quickly like like oh it took the three years to design this set or it cost 10 times the budget or whatever just little things or so-and-so argued with so-and-so about this and like that's just neat um they did pop up video with um the brady bunch and i had i was just for whatever reason i don't know if they just did a few episodes or what and i remember two specific pop-ups that surprised me and unsettled me <laughs> i was a kid here just and it was and uh, the Brady Bunch was old, really yeah. old, you know, Nick at Night old. And right. I disliked things at the time because it was old. And then sure. I was starting to like that show. And so it was thrilling for me. It was, it was like I felt mature for liking something old <laughs> because I equated old and sophisticated. And so I felt like I was a little older, you know, I mm-hmm. felt older for liking Old it. people like old things. So if you like <laughs> old things, then you feel older. 
Yes, that's actually that's the right line of reasoning I was working with at the time. And yeah. two things that that startled me. One was um, like Marsha or someone. I don't really remember what was happening, so I'm not even going to pretend. Uh-huh. But they were drinking from yeah. a hose, and it said, uh, "Actually, you shouldn't drink from a hose. It causes diarrhea and uh, blah 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 other sicknesses." And I was like, "I drink from the hose." And you know, this is the age where you're playing with a hose in the backyard, and you you get yeah, in the yeah. water sprinkler, and you just love it, or you make like a mud monster out of like some some muddy patch in the yard. Like, that's just what I did, and so right, right. that that upset me. I remember you know? we did that as kids. Yeah, we we did this sort of thing. Like, and I'm sure we drank from like that was part oh, of yeah. the pleasure. Is just you have this source of water just running out, and you can just open your mouth. Like, I don't know. It's kind of like when you learn to pee outside. You're a boy, and you learn how easy it is. It's just like, then you got to do it, you know? You got to find... So when you're playing in the water, thirsty or not, you're going to drink from the hose. It's like this almost... uh, It's it's this... I don't know. It's a privilege in that moment, or it's a treat in that moment, so you want to partake in it. Uh, Uh So that upset me. Another thing was... Wait, it didn't explain why? Uh, no, it just said, don't drink from a hose. Actually, this is dangerous. It can cause diarrhea. I remember diarrhea being the thing, because I didn't understand the other things. I was little, <laughs> and like, I was like, oh. And I was also like, that's how you spell diarrhea? I think it was this person. Yeah, it's a weird it. word. Um, and then the other thing was, it it's made a... beautiful a ju- word. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is funny. Diarrhea. Yeah, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you could separate it. <laughs> if you can separate it from what it's a pretty i mean it, it yeah it is a pretty word diarrhea serving of a poem diarrhea diarrhea but, running I mean, through my mind it's a disgusting word it's hard to to extract yourself from the meaning but mm-hmm. but it is a just just the you know the phonesthetically. sound the phonesthetically pretty phonesthetically word. speaking i'm disappointed you didn't choose it of all the words like, oh i chose gonorrhea so yeah yeah, uh, and I would say diarrhea is prettier than gonorrhea. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think I'd agree with you. Because guh and duh. Uh, anyway, yeah. um, the other fact it shared, I think one of the, the kids in the show said, oh, it's the end of the world, or made some dramatic statement, and it popped up and, uh, and actually, said... Actually, the end actually, of the world. Will, yes, it will be in like four billion years when the sun <clears throat> consumes us all. And I remember it, then it did an additional pop-up of like a, of a like basically a... a a scared i wouldn't say emoji i don't think that was in our in the collective yeah, that wasn't around back but then. just a but still there was a smiley face and a uh, like a shocked looking face mm-hmm. um and it showed that and and I, I felt that a little i was like oh man i mean i know <laughs> oh, i'm no. not gonna be alive but but like that's upsetting that that upset me a little bit as a hmm. kid when when time is you know you learn you you learn you can die and your parents can die. Your parents are probably going to die before you if the natural order of things, you know, unfolds. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are, those are tough things to do. And then, so I guess that was the, well, well, this will all end, you know, there's, there's my world and my, which includes my parents is the most significant figure. So they will end and then I will end, but all of this will end. And that was, so it spit me spiraling into an existential crisis because of pop-up video. Um, wow, at like nine years old. Yeah, yeah I don't know how old. Yeah, it's about right though. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not kidding. That that was like I was just thinking of the like the time time that I learned when I, you know that I would or that my dad could die or that I could die. And so do you do you recall that with any specificity? Like no. learning you were finite. Nope, I don't. I still yeah. don't really think I am. 
Uh, <laughs> I think that's the weird thing about being human is that we juggle the ability to both know that we will die and like still function reasonably well and ignore it. Uh, yeah, you're definitely right about that. We, I mean, we ignore I think it if we well. had if we had any real grasp on the fact that we're constantly dying and and we'll do it there's... pretty soon. I mean, like what? Like 60 years if we're lucky we got left yeah. like it being being like and that's yeah, just I mean, nothing. Just think 60 about years. It. Th- think <laughs> like, think about we're sitting here like talking into microphones and and we're going to die like and this is what we're doing. <laughs> Well, everything seems like shouldn't we be like running around frantically trying to do some science to like keep ourselves alive? Yes, I mean, I guess that's technically running around frantically, (laughs) running around frantically. Daniel, do some science to keep us alive, do some make some recent advances. Well, I mean, honestly, though, it, it isn't how finite life is, it's like how meaningful it is. So, it would be if. If it was only meaningful because it was long, like that's kind of a, there's something, so, so if we were like running around frantically to extend our lives in order to what, like record a little more or like to do something is, is like, I guess, I guess 80 years on this earth is enough to do something. Um, Right. You know, I don't know. Like, like it's about the, the something, I guess, more than the, the, the length. I don't know. It's not it's it's not the length that's how you use it. Isn't that yeah. what they say? It's, Talking about life specifically and only that? Yes. It's not the quantity, it's the quality in the ocean. Right. Quality is the spice of life. Mhm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I had some more uh some more questions, but you know, I think we really nailed uh you really nailed the science did this I surpa- time. Did I surpass your expectations? You did, way, you did way better than I thought you would. I surpassed my expectations, too. Uh, where, where, what would you have predicted? Or, like, like, does this mean I know a little more about science than most people? Uh, or, I wouldn't go that in... far. I would say that, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, this, this is... This is what I already knew going into Daniel Does Science is that, you know, if I ask you th- things about nomenclature or trivia, then you're probably not going to know that stuff. Um, yeah. But if I ask you things that you can reason your way to, then, you know, you, you've got a shot. Because so the fact I mean, that I not, had. It's not like you're an idiot. Um, that, Thanks. You know, that's. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> that's. <laughs> you're not an idiot. Like, that might be you the best actually... compliment you've paid me ever. So. <laughs> yep, I try every now and then. Um, so you, I happen can... to get the right thing, the axiom of something about, you know... Um, well, you, you, you're an observant person, you can, and you can, you can grasp ideas and concepts. And so you know, when you think about the way things are and what you've seen and probably looping in things you've heard like pop-up video and sci-fi shows and all this other stuff and once you like amalgamate all of that stuff then you can at least put together a theory of something that makes sense at least in your head and turns out that's right sometimes well right because i was working with the piece about gravity and mass that ha- that happened to be a factual thing that i found somewhere in my brain had i not mm-hmm. had that to work with i think it then then I would have to just, you know, I mean, make up some root theory, then go off crazy, and that's when it's hilarious. Right. Yeah, I was kind of hoping... Operating from a... 
from the I was kind of hoping you might, might do that, but... Uh, <laughs> well, but I can't look at it this it way. it's disingenuous, you know? Yeah, you're right. No, I'm I'm happy with that. No, like, you, you, you impressed me. Um, and also, astronomy is just pretty cool, and most kids are just kind of into it, at least at some point, you know? And so I think sometimes those facts stick around. Maybe. Uh, I was neither into dinosaurs nor, like, space as much as I would think the average kid. There's some, like, kids go what through a dinosaur into? stage. Like dolls? Um, well, let me think. Like no, dresses? Uh, like, I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and all that, but that's not, I'm trying to think more academically. I guess, sadly, I wasn't into, I can't think of, like, an academic thing I was really do you like into. bugs? What about bugs? Oh, that's another good one. Um, I like rocks. Rocks. Collecting I like rocks. rocks. Okay, I there tell you go. You much that's... about them though, really. I didn't. Yeah, study but like them, crystals but I... and yes, like, I like geodes. Yeah, and like, do you remember yeah. at Books a Million? They had a lot of different types of rocks. It's actually I a do. pretty. It's something that's actually at a lot of different places. But for me, mm. it was Books a Million, and you could get that yeah. tiny bag at as many as you could fit in there. Tiger eye. And? Yeah, Tiger Eye. I really like the silver one. I don't know why. Like looking at it now, it doesn't like Tiger Eye is way cooler, but I liked the very just silver one. It was clearly one just one looked pro- like chrome. Yeah, basically like chrome and like was probably just, you know, plated yeah. in some I mean, it was synthetically polished and coated and whatever. Um, right. but I just thought all of that was the coolest. And I would try I, to I, find I like that stuff too. I was I was obsessed with finding a like a round rock i wanted to and i mm. did and i have one uh in my backyard or found one from my backyard that was uh just remarkably round and i probably could find that little box today it was in a little cardboard um it wasn't a pencil bag and that with the zippers and stuff but there was mm, a yeah. while when you're really young that you have these like they're playfully decorated and colorful but it's a little rectangular box that opens oh yeah up i remember that do you know what those. I'm talking about? Usually, yeah, I, usually they were like neon colored and had little bumps on them. Yes, yes, yes. And I yeah. had all, yeah, <laughs> the, the, yes. And sometimes were two different colors, the top Yeah, and the yeah, bottom. clamshell kind of. And so um, I... Put, I never had one of those. I, I was more of a pencil bag kind of guy myself. Um, yeah, I, well, me too. But I had one of those and I, uh, I would take the rocks and then I would also, my mom got me a can of spray paint once, a gold spray paint and i love this idea of spray painting the rocks gold and so i'd wash them and spray paint them gold and i'd have my own little gold and think about think about just dream up fooling my trying friends to sell it and selling it and, yeah becoming rich off that's of funny it. Yeah. So. did i ever look i know we used to play in my when i when i lived in the ghetto we used to play <laughs> in my backyard it was a really sandy backyard and that's what we were talking about we would play with the hose and like yeah funnel the hose deep down into the earth i mean pretty um, deep through, too yeah through the sand because the because the water coming out would just dig down but did did we ever like i remember as a kid i used to search for rocks in my backyard and my uncle was a plumber who had his shop in our backyard and on the back of his trucks he had a big vice and i used to take rocks and put them in the vice and then turn it and crunch the rocks to see what was inside them and like Pretty often you could find like geodes and stuff, you know, with the crystals on the inside. Oh, that's so cool. And I remember like look you know, I would crush like gravel, essentially granite, and it would be like boring, just gray powder. 
right. inside. <clears throat> and I would try to crush quartz. And I always remember thinking, like, quartz is so hard to crush because it's more dense crystal. <laughs> and I would be, like, jumping up and down on the vice arm to try to crush the quartz. Um, and then, you know, crushing some and getting the... Uh, Getting the geode inside and thinking it was amazing. Did we ever do that? Uh, I have no memory of that. I do recall <laughs> you shared that memory with me before, but uh, I that would have been incredibly yeah, have really fascinating liked to me. Like I would have like probably only wanted to do that every time I went over. Um, yeah. But I like were you discerning? Like I can imagine as kids, we're just picking up rocks instead of going, "Oh, this one has you know geodes." Like let's look at it, let's study the outer, so we can make you know intelligent selections instead of just throwing in any the big rocks, little rock, right. whatever we would have just gone for bigger rocks around. I would have probably just tried to find round rocks, you know, like we just, would, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you pretty quickly learn. I mean, in my backyard, I only had a small variety of possible rocks. Um, and the, the gravel is super easy to identify. You can just look at it and go, Oh yeah, that's going to be boring to crush. Yeah. Um, the geodes are the ones that are harder because they, on the outside, they just look like brown pebbles, basically, you mm-hmm. know. And sometimes when you crush those, they're just brown pebble dirt looking on the inside. I imagine sometimes they're like fossilized turds or something. <laughs> that's sometimes what that's yeah. what it looked like on yeah. the inside. It might have been. And then, yeah, and then sometimes you cr- you crack it open and there's little crystals, and then it's amazing. They were really rare. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, there were only maybe four or five different types of rocks that I could crush in that thing. Um, and I could tell what I was – I couldn't identify the geodes, <clears throat> like I said, because, you know, sometimes they just look like normal pebbles. But I could definitely tell if I was going to get quartz or gravel. Those were easy. This sort of playfulness you're describing, like, do kids do this a lot? Like, I don't want to get into, like, oh, kids don't go outside and play these days. But I guess I am trying to make that point. Like, do kids do this as often? Or do you feel like it's substituted by just... Like, why... If we grew up in a world of iPads or crazy awesome video games, why the hell would we have gone outside to crush rocks? Really? Like, why would we have done that? We wouldn't have. We would have stayed in and watched videos. And, you know, we just would never have these sorts of... Like, we wouldn't remember or have shared experiences like that of the hose in the backyard or do kids still are kids kids and they're out there doing all the things anyway. Um, I think kids are still kids. Obviously we've become more like technology has permeated more of our culture and people of all ages are now using technology more. So I think it, it it would be fair to at least suppose that there are less kids crushing rocks in their plumber uncle's vices. Um, (laughs) today than when we were kids but i still i mean i think kids are still playing outside and digging in the dirt and stuff like that but i mean like when when i was a kid i would play super nintendo all the time i mean i still played video games when i was a kid but i also enjoyed crushing rocks and catching lizards and all of that kind of thing as well yeah yeah no fair enough and i'm that makes me happy to hear because i think i think well, I don't know what to think, actually. I like to see data. I don't know how they measure that other than, like, poll parents and say, do your kids play outside often or sometimes or rarely or never, or, you know, so. Well, I mean, there are probably a number of other factors. Like, I didn't research this, but I've, you know, I've heard, and I think it's true that, you know, now people are waiting until later in life to have kids, and that means that they have fewer kids. And because they have fewer kids later in life, they are more protective of them so they're kind of helicopter parents Mm -hmm. which means that kids actually have less freedom 
um, and less unsupervised playtime. So I imagine that would contribute too to kids being more likely to be playing on their iPad inside or playing Fortnite or something rather than going outside to explore on their own. Uh, deep irony in that, right? Like, because you feel like because your kid's sitting in their room playing on a piece of tech that they you know where they're, they're at, safe. so you feel that they're safe versus you're terrified they might fall and get a cut outside or something like that. Um, oh. Yeah, when they really could be doing terrible things or be having terrible things done to them in this digital world, you know? And right. like, I don't know, just crazy that the concern is this physical safety, which is totally understandable. You want your kids to be physically safe. But I think we've Yeah, but built kids are pretty this... kids are pretty tough. I mean, like, kids are meant to go it's not like they're going to be anti-fragile, base right? That's the term. What's oh, his yeah, name? Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Haidt. Yeah. Kid, the anti-fragile ideas fascinating like wine mm-hmm. a wine glass is breakable is fragile you break it you drop it it's broken but you know kids need i mean how, what are the measles and the mumps and these sorts of things like you we, we we get vaccines that expose us to it and then we're stronger because of it you could you could verify the science on that but yeah right um <laughs> i don't know like kids need to get out and crush some rocks and scrape their knees and that sort of thing right what doesn't kill you makes you makes you not wrong dead we, makes you <laughs> what, <laughs> what doesn't kill you makes you live longer there you go that's it yeah i think that's yeah. how it goes yeah um i remember this is uh, a little bit of a sidestep but still talking about um about uh things i used to do when i was a kid one 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 thing that i remember really enjoying as a kid that i only got to do pretty rarely was we we had a mutual friend when we were kids named uh named Josh. Yeah. Um and I was friends with him when I was in primarily when I was in 4th and 5th grade. Um and whenever uh, w- a couple of times when I would go over to his house, I remember it rained really hard. Probably during the summer or something, you know, summer rainstorms mm-hmm. and it was just raining really really hard and um if you recall, his neighborhood was kind of suburby and everything. Uh, and if you could, go, if you you could actually go back through his back wood, he had a little bit of woods in his backyard. You could go back through his back woods and get to another little subdivisiony area. That's but right. there was like a there's like a a creek in his backyard. Do you remember this? I do like remember a, the creek. A, yeah, it, it, it wasn't like a little huge. ravine. Maybe I don't know what. Yeah, yeah just a. I mean, bigger than a ditch, but smaller than a like any spot. legitimate. Yeah, yeah, but, but enough like, smaller than any. More than an ankle well, when it's, deep of water for sure. Right, and when it stormed, it was like you know, I mean, you know, there's a lot of water draining off into that thing and mm-hmm. and and going by. And we used to when it was raining super hard and water was pouring through there. And there's a bunch of like limbs and branches and stuff that would make little waterfalls. In, in that thing, we would raid his recycling bin and get, you know, bottles, water bottles or milk jugs or whatever would float and put them at the top of the stream and essentially race them down the stream in the pouring <sighs> torrential rain to see, you know, which one would make it. And you could follow that little creek for a pretty long way. And like, I don't know, I just have a pretty fond memories of racing bottles down this creek and in, in a huge thunderstorm and like i mean it's like lightning and thundering and stuff and like his mom that you know didn't care or maybe didn't know i don't know but we're just like carousing around getting soaked to the bone 
running through his neighborhood with essentially littering like it was a pretty, pretty, pretty <laughs> good, good time, time. <laughs> it makes me smile hearing about that though because like that's just that is when these shows like stranger things and people searching for the nostalgia and kids being kids whatever that means um thank that's that is what that means i think is just not caring about stuff that i would now care about i'd be like oh i'm soaked i'm really uncomfortable uh but your curiosity and your friendship and the socialization and the just there's a there's a task at hand like watch this bottle float down the river or the creek a race down the creek and intensified by the weather i don't know like the the, the childlike uh uh, adoration well, it, of I that mean, moment or excitement of that moment. Like it's such it, a it's simple exciting moment, and but it is exciting. It's simple, but it's adventure, and you're discovering. I mean, you're you're pressing against the bounds of the area that you know, like pressing past his backyard and de- further down the creek to see where the bottles go and what happens when it goes down this drain. You, you know, know, like I mean, you're asking all these questions and pushing out into areas that you that you didn't know before, and you're observing things you never have. Like, how does this bottle behave when it's going over this branch waterfall or whatever? Like, you don't see these things every day. It takes unusual circumstances to observe this, and so it's exciting. It makes me think that one day when I'm a parent, like I will have to fight the urge to. I mean. If it's a lightning storm, if it's really intense, I'm just not going to let my kids go out in it. But maybe if it's not so bad and still raining pretty tough and it seems absurd to let them go soak their clothes and do something like that, like to just kind of either look the other way or because you don't necessarily want to condone or promote that behavior, but but maybe to occasionally, when knowing someone's when a kid is being adventurous in a way that's reasonably safe, to allow them to kind of explore. Because mm. that's that's what fosters sort of like I don't know independence and creativity and all these great things is is right. a little bit of risk taking. So like the art of being a parent is saying risk is unavoidable. What's reasonable and like can I allow them? You know, can I just get over myself and say let them go play in the rain? Let them go play in a thunderstorm? I mean, it's it sounds. I'm sure some people would like vehemently disagree with that, but. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, getting struck by lightning is not that likely. Kids are short <laughs> oh, and small. Not that bad. <laughs> not that bad. <laughs> I mean, people survive. Yeah. But, I mean, like, how likely is it that your kid is going to get struck by lightning? Very, very unlikely. Yeah. I mean, they're short and small. Presumably, they're not running around on a golf course or in an open field or whatever. Like, right. I don't know. Right, just, no, it's just very unlikely. If it's not crazy lightning, it's just a what you would consider a, a typical thunderstorm. I mean, that could just right. be exhilarating. And it's, you probably weren't out there for an hour. I mean, we're talking about being out there for 15 minutes and you weren't swimming in a pool. Like, I, I think there's some unreasonable risks, like swimming in a pool or something might be, you're, you've expanded the risk because all it takes is striking that entire body of water, you know? So, yeah. well, I mean, it just seems reasonable to get out of the pool when there's a crazy But why would lightning storm. strike the um, surface of the pool is it attracted to water more <clears throat> i really don't know i mean tall things and 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 conductive things which are metal and tall and i mean actually like you can walk around in, in new york from my understanding during crazy lightning storms which are completely safe uh in in downtown you know new york city like the crazy mm-hmm. tall buildings and like that's cool to think that there are no deaths by being struck by lightning in in that area because it's just gonna hit those buildings 
In fact, right. they have all those poles and stuff on top, right? There's like lightning, yeah. a, a, lightning poles. Lightning poles. Yeah. So it's designed. It's designed that way. I know, really, though. I'm, I, I can't tell if you're yeah. screwed with me. That's like don't no, they? you're right. So they do. So that's true. It's cool to think that that's you're, you can walk around completely fearless in that sort of setting. Um, right. Well, I mean, if you know how it works, <clears throat> then I mean, generally, you can avoid the risk. And that's what I'm saying. Like, <clears throat> if your kid's running around in the woods in a thunderstorm, like getting struck by lightning is probably not the way it's going to go. More yeah. likely going to be a bear or, you know, getting trapped in a hole or... It's more likely that you would have drowned by, in that little creek like by breaking your arm and falling face first than, you know... Right, than getting struck by lightning. Yeah, getting struck by lightning was not really that much of a of a risk. But then there's also the parent, like, you don't care about being wet, but, like, you're a kid, you're just going to walk in afterward and get everything <clears> wet, and then we have, like, if it's a friend, too, you have to deal with, like, these wet kids, and it's just... Yeah, uh, but uh, it's okay. if you remember Josh, then, like, honestly, the amount of damage he could cause, like, just <laughs> adding me on top of it was not you were, you really were nothing, that significant. Right, it was, he was... He, <laughs> he was adventurous and, re- <laughs> and a little bit reckless, so, yeah. Right. I mean, like... Probably after that ordeal, I was, like, squeezing out my clothes, you know, on the porch and wiping my feet off. And he was just, like, running straight inside and rolling around on the furniture. (laughs) That sounds like Josh. (laughs) Right. So I want to shift topics um, and talk about something that I'm not not sure that we've talked about before, even, even off the podcast. So that topic is superstition. Are you a very superstitious person? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, superstitions. Am I? I don't. I don't think I'm particularly superstitious. Uh, I, I get that. I mean, I guess we'd have to define it, or I want to ask some questions <clears throat> about it. But does it take like cultural influence to be superstitious? Like, like does it have to be like okay? If something costs six dollars and sixty six cents. Uh, sign of the beast, right? Like, so right. Hey, I better just buy something else or not buy that product or whatever. Um, right. That is imparted on me by like culture. Uh, That's and right. I get en- enacted individually, but. Uh, right. Well, I mean, I would say probably that superstition is, is cultural almost, almost 100%. Right. So let's say I have a weird. Or, uh, or, Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it is, I I would say that most are cultural, but some are weird quirks that you kind of maybe generate in your own head based on faulty or incomplete pattern recognition. So then, okay, I got a good example then, uh, and I'll ask you, is this superstitious? Um, Mm -hmm. I like my volume um, set on divisible by five or an even number or divisible by five. So I prefer 10, 20, 30, 40. Uh, the next thing I prefer is, you know, 15, uh, 25, 35. And then, right. and then I, you know, you get the idea. I don't want 13. Better. I don't want 17. I don't want yeah. 19. Just go to 20. <clears throat> I can deal with 18. That's fine. Uh, but I prefer, you know, 20 or 15 or 10. Um, what about... Any difference between prime numbers and other odd numbers? No. So, like, between 19 and 21, which one do you prefer? Uh, both of those I do not deal with. I you probably to... don't know what prime is. I do. do it, I do. It's oh. Two numbers, Camel. <laughs> anyway, um, 
I I but when I want to I want to iterate to you that it's a pretty uh-huh. real That's definitely a superstition. You don't consider that just an idiosyncrasy or a OCD sense tendency. It's not OCD full blown, but like Well, what happens if you if your volume is on 19? Okay, uh if I don't know, I don't feel the compulsion to check, but like, let's just say you, I'm in the, riding in the car with you, your car. Let's uh-huh. say I don't even know you, uh, and I, but, or I kind of know you, you've given, you're giving me a ride. Yeah, you're, you're taking an Uber. Yeah, I'm not that, but, and I'm sitting up front and yeah. they just adjust the volume to turn it up. And I look and I see that it's 19. Uh-huh. I will, and I am very sensitive to like the idea of social capital and being polite and what I do with the do's and the do nots. And that's a, do not to reach over and adjust their volume after they've adjusted it. I'm going to, it's going to cost uh-huh. me something and look weird, but I'm going to pay that cost to put it at 20. Um, <laughs> I am, I like just am going to pay that cost. Um, if someone like, if I'm driving and it's really cr- like the, it's the traffic's crazy and it's a little bit one of those moments you should be very focused, two hands on the wheel, you know, checking all your mirrors, uh-huh. all that stuff. Like 18 wheelers, maybe come over in your lane a little bit. And then you right. were to just, spin the, the even to tease me knowing about my volume issue right. i cannot promise you that i would responsibly wait until the most responsible <laughs> moment to to adjust that volume back uh-huh. like i right. it, it would not be a wise move for you to make because my need to ad- adjust that volume could uh, override you know sensible safety now i'm not gonna just like scream and do it and like wreck us or anything but but i really might not make a the best decision Uh, and that's where i compulsion is almost the right word because i feel like i need to do that uh right but and so if if you turn if you turn your volume to one of these undesirable numbers then then you're really uncomfortable and it's just bad yeah this general sense of I think Doom's I mean, I, too strong, I, just like, uh, like would, it's like an itch you say can't that, scratch kind of thing. It, yeah, I would say that fits under under the umbrella of superstition. Um, and most of the superstitions that I came across, like I, I looked up a bunch of common superstitions, um, had to do with luck, essentially. You know, if, if this thing happens, bad luck. If this thing happens, good luck. And then secondary to that are things like wishes. You know, if this thing happens, you can make a wish kind of thing. Or yours, like, yeah, go ahead. Yours is odd, you know, odd because it's not, it's not. At least if I'm understanding correctly, it's not good luck to have your volume on a particular number or bad luck to have it on a, a different number. It's just really uncomfortable to have it on on certain numbers. Yeah, it's unusual. I can't even trace the origins of this. I don't know why it originated. I don't know. Um, I didn't have some bad thing happen when it was on a bad, you know, a bad volume, so to speak. I don't know. It does make sense that like. You know, someone, some sports fanatic wearing, you know, this old cap and they, their team wins and they're going to wear that old cap every time and it becomes their lucky cap. Like that's just almost, that's the idea of a superstition. Um, I can think of another, is this what you want me to do? I'm coming up with examples. Are you okay with that? Yeah, that's fine. So there's like at the school, this is a cultural, definitely a cultural one that I adhere to. We have one of these, uh, mm, on the ground like so imagine a nice floor uh, there's some outside there's a there's several around the school where it has our um, i'll call it the insignia or the, mar- yeah, the mar- mascot logo yeah whatever. but on and a polished piece of marble on the ground that's like yeah. definitely different than the sidewalk and the idea is that you do not step on that um, sure sure and i and, and i even had when i was interviewing for the position 
um, the the upper division director just commented, "Yeah, we don't step on that," and I I accepted it as like, I mean, I don't know why this just. I feel like this. We're not the only school to ever do this, right? Like, there's just some right, things, sure. and and it kind of, you know what? Even if he hadn't told me, I think I just wouldn't. It, it's polished, shiny, like nice looking, and feels like you just tracking your feet over it doesn't feel right to me. And so then mm. when they when they affirm that by saying don't do that, then it really ups the uh the idea like i just don't step on it I, I do go out of my way and so does everyone else so it's reinforced and double down and um and i do that without thinking or questioning really right so that to me sounds le- less like superstition i mean it still could be and more like a sign of respect so you know in the same sense how there's all those rules about the flag you know how mm-hmm. you're supposed to. You know ra- there are rules about raising and lowering it, and there are rules about folding it and disposing of it. And obviously, you're not supposed to burn it and all of that kind of thing. It seems to be more about a, a respect for an ideal or a symbol rather than it's bad luck to step on this insignia. But, Does that sound right to yeah, you? Yeah, I guess. Except, what's the difference? So, so take the six sixty six sign of the beast. Like, don't purchase that item or buy something else in addition because you don't want to entertain uh evil like so you don't respect you don't respect it or in a way you have reverence toward the idea of evil and so you want to well it depends i mean it it depends on what sorts of associations you have with with 666 like if i remember the history of that correctly then it has something to do with like with with like Nero or something. I, I honestly some don't know old, at all. So old I can't dude, help you. Right. So, but, and then it has modern connotations that are maybe like based on something historical or biblical, like some connotations with evil and the devil and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, but, but it's not like, it just doesn't seem the same to me as, you know, if you, if you are showing respect to a symbol or a representative idea, like, to to avoid an item that costs six dollars and sixty six cents seems more of a superstition than not stepping on your school's insignia on the floor. I I guess would it be, and I'm not saying I agree with this, but if someone were like someone stamping on burning or peeing on or whatever, disrespecting the American flag, to mm-hmm. which that ticks someone off, engages them in a confrontation, says they don't don't do that to the American flag, to which the person. Mm-hmm committing these things says something like oh you're just so involved in, like you're just hung up on superstition is right. that even like a normal response do people say that am i making that up or would would they attribute devotion to this physical flag as i mean because one's going to talk about respect and the other's going to talk about superstition maybe right is that i don't plausible? I actually don't think that that would be a common response like i I see the link that you're drawing, but I don't think that they would... I just think that superstition is something distinct. So I think that the person stepping on the flag would say, it's not like I'm actually stepping on America. Like, I'm stepping on a symbol. Nothing is really being damaged here. Like, this is just an abstract thing. It's not tangible and real, you know? that The, the thing that, that I'm supposedly disrespecting, there's no actual damage being done. That's yeah. what they would be saying, and that's... If they were saying, oh, don't get caught up in superstitions, that's what they would mean. But I think a superstition, there, there's something a little different about it. Like, I think that's the belief that that 
that there will be some sort of effect that doesn't necessarily logically follow, or maybe maybe it's a little bit mysterious. Like uh, the cause and effect might not quite be clear. If if this happens, then this either good or yeah. bad effect will happen, and it doesn't have necessarily as much to do with uh, an abstract ideal being represented like right, it's like breaking for, a mirror seven years yeah right right yeah right, right so when a black cat crosses your path it's not like you're thinking oh the black cat stands for something like it doesn't it's not some ideal that has i don't know that's happening or being trod upon it's just a black cat crossing your path is bad luck uh yeah and Step on a crack, why? break your mother's back. Right, if right. If you don't post in this uh, in this post, your mom will die. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> break a leg. I, I compiled a big list of them. So, like walking under a ladder, uh, yeah. opening an umbrella inside. Um, yeah. An interesting one too that I think is bizarre and should just go away is the thirteenth floor of, omitting the thirteenth floor of buildings. Oh yeah, it's almost cutesy. I don't think it's true. I think it's just cutesy. Unless it's they actually found that selling, say, or renting to a business or something was hurt by that, then then they just actually skipped that. I mean, I think a yeah. lot of buildings really do skip the thirteenth floor, which is some crap, right? Like, that's... well, it, it is the thirteenth floor. Fourteen is thirteen. Like you know, you're on it. So yeah. that's silly. It oh. is silly. I think that one's silly. But, but they're all incredibly silly, right? I'm, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, so. you're right. Uh, do you do you know the origin of that one, though? That Well, like I was saying, 13's an unlucky number, which I don't Why? know the origin of that. Um, Friday the 13th, uh, I, I don't know. Do you? Here, yeah, well, here's what I found when I was looking at it. So uh, apparently, mo- I won't say most, but many superstitions, as you might expect, have religious uh, histories or, or undertones, a lot having to do with, like, the, the the symbol of the cross or the trinity or yeah or three re- seven six you know, yeah these, right these so numbers. thirteen is apparently at the last supper you know there's Christ and the twelve disciples at the table so there were thirteen people at the table and then you know, right after that he got you know, Christ got crucified so it's bad luck to sit at a table with twelve other people to have a table or was that uh, when uh, the guy the guy betrayed him, uh Judas, right? Like yeah. he was the thirteenth or maybe that's the idea. Uh that's not the idea. Him. The idea is no, just okay. that he was sitting at a table with twelve other people and then he died the next day. So it's bad luck. Thir- the number thirteen is bad luck. Okay. That's a that's a stretch almost, but okay. <laughs> uh, that's just what I found. Maybe it is a stretch, but like that's that's the origin that I uncovered for for why the number thirteen is unlucky. And I just thought it was you know, interesting. And apparently, like, there were some historical figures, like, uh, I forget, God, I forget who it was now. I think it might have been FDR. It was one of the president, U.S. presidents who refused to sit at a conference table with 12 other people because it was bad luck. You know, in in this context, I think I'm deeply, you know, not superstitious. Like, I wouldn't freak out if someone opened an umbrella indoors other than saying, what do you what are you doing? It's it's a big right. device and you're indoors. <laughs> right. Like stop it. Right. But but other than like some practical matters, I guess it's weird because I, I would avoid walking under a ladder. Okay, uh, follow me here then, because I'm both not stepping on you know the insignia and walking under a ladder. They're both things that I could probably never be told by society that you know that it was bad luck. And yet, I think I would just avoid walking under a ladder, and I would avoid 
stepping on that insignia and and then it's doubled down so like are there but if you were to ask me why do you never walk under the ladder you had to go out of your way you could have just gone the most direct path i i needed maybe maybe that happened people agreed we're, we're not walking under ladders but there was some guy who was doing it and they wanted to kind of <laughs> convince him not to as well and then he goes well why and then they were like bad uh, luck but <laughs> like a curse be upon you if you do this thing i don't like right. and i have a hard time justifying so when I was trying to think, why would that one be bad luck? I thought it was simply a practical matter. Like ladders are unstable things, and throughout, you know, ladders have been around for a while. And you know, you walk under a ladder, and maybe you're clumsy, or you're a little too fat, or you're holding something, and you bump the ladder, then it can be dangerous, right? You yeah. can knock, you can knock the ladder over. It's a construct. You're at a, you're at a work site of some sort. If there's a ladder propped, uh, it maybe hasn't been. Maybe they're done working. Maybe whatever. But like. <laughs> You're just you don't walk under a ladder, man. Like come right. on. Right. <laughs> so that one just seems more practical and less superstitious. I, although I will say, when I was looking at, about superstitious stuff online, I'd found that apparently I don't think I believe this, but apparently walking under a ladder also has a religious history. Apparently, the shape of a ladder, either either a you know two sided ladder that essentially looks like a, an A you know, um, yeah. standing on the ground or a, a ladder just leaning against the wall makes the shape of a triangle, which is representative of the Trinity and walking on walking through the middle of the Trinity is a sign of disrespect, uh, in the same, <sighs> that brings bad luck in the same way that walking on the insignia might be. And so they said it's bad luck to walk under a ladder because you're, you know, essentially thumbing your nose at, at God. I mean, I, I could see that. I just feel like I would have heard that. Yeah, it seems like I would have heard that too. I'm not sure I buy that one. Um, To me, it just seems like at some point in history, like some dude walked under a ladder and it fell on him, and he was like, "Oh man, walking under ladders is bad luck," and and then it just kind of caught on from there. That one just seems more practical. Opening an umbrella inside, that one, you know, that one seems more superstitious to me than practical. But still, there's like a, it's it's not as efficient to do i mean maybe i don't know i don't know not Um, necessarily so i don't know and then there are like the good luck ones like four leaf clovers lucky number seven horseshoes lucky rabbit's feet picking up pennies on heads did you ever do that that one was one that was yeah when i was find a a penny pick it up or find yeah wait i never hear the heads in that find a penny pick it up all day long you'll have good luck oh is that just it to me, no, for I, me as a kid, it was always if the penny's on heads, then you have good luck at no, pick it up. Same here, but I know that there was that jingle to to. I don't remember the it, jingle but, actually. Yeah, I find a penny, pick it up all day long. You'll have good luck. There's probably like a second verse about, but if it is tails, you will go to hells or something like that. <laughs> I don't know, but um, um yeah. dream break catchers, a leg. break a yeah, leg. Dream, or, dream. Well, yeah, dream catchers. I actually. Or is that too religious for like? I don't in, in actually. Indian? I'm not sure about that one. Like, isn't that like a Native American sort of yeah. thing? Like, there's actually That's some my sort of association anyway. Yeah, it is. Well, and you know, might... actually, uh, knock on wood, from from <laughs> from what I found is actually an old pagan thing because apparently the good spirits used to, you know, they believe good spirits used to live inside trees, so they would knock mm-hmm. on wood in order to bring out the the good spirits. You know, you just made me think, because I was thinking how deeply non-superstitious I am, yet there seems to be, okay, like if you're about to win a game, and the odds are you're going to win it, 
this is not an act of humility, but like I do not want someone to like say you're about to win it, or if there's a or if yeah. there's a big moment, jinxing. Yeah, so we've actually created a yeah, jinx is a way of. I mean, that whole idea is superstitious, really, that they say something and then I get mad. And, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point. I'm mad that they said it because I'm like, you might have messed me up. You might have right. just signaled. And that's all superstitious, right? Like, mm-hmm. That's not mm-hmm. actually. So I, in that way, I think I think most people adhere to some sort of like, as you're closing the deal, whatever that deal, I'm using that very abstractly, whether it's a sport or a yeah. whatever, as things are about to connect in the way you want them to, you don't, you don't cat count your, your sheep before they <laughs> jump over the fence, you know, um, right. you, you, you just are quiet and, and it's, it can be a, it could be seen as a humble thing, but I don't think it is. I think it's like, we're all a little superstitious, just a, just a little stitious. <laughs> we're not well, superstitious. Right. Well, I think um, uh, I, I think you're right. Actually, I think that there's a way in which superstition and psychology get a little bit intertwined. Uh, and actually, that's I think that psychology is probably the root of uh, it, the root of some superstitions. Or it's just entangled in some way. So I'll tell you a little bit about my super. You probably don't think I'm a superstitious person, and I'm I'm not really. But when I was a kid, like, I, 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 w- I, I was good at picking up on patterns, and I still am good at picking up on patterns. And this is why my theory of superstition is that, at least in part, they originate when people kind of generate patterns based on insufficient knowledge or, or insufficient experience. So, like, my primary superstition that persisted, I, I don't know, like, at least into my in, into high school maybe – um, was that I, I thought that the number 131 was, I, I won't say it was an unlucky number. I would, I was, it's just a special number that, because that, that's a big number for, it's not like seven or six, you know? Right. Well, it's, it's the rarity of the number was important because it seemed like to me, whenever I would see that number, my luck would toggle. So if I was having a really good day and then I saw the number 131, then something bad would happen after that. But then if I saw the number 131 again, it would toggle back to things being okay again. So like, for example... change was happening, yeah. Right. So there was actually mile marker number 131 on uh, on a road that I used to drive down all the time. And I knew, like obviously I saw that there and and I recognized that. So what I would do is if I was having a really good day... I would just not look. I would close my eyes when I drove past that mile marker. Close your eyes. <laughs> you mean look the other way? <laughs> no, close my eyes. I just oh, for, wouldn't. For good luck, I would you just close your eyes while driving. <laughs> yeah, I just <laughs> for that mile. <laughs> right. Well, not for the whole mile, but just when the sign was in sight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just make a conscious effort not to look at the sign and not to notice it because to notice it would be to change my luck from good to bad. And then if I was having a bad day, I'd really stare down that sign, you know, and toggle my luck back to good again. Yeah. And, and like, it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't that I truly believed that this number was causing, you know, there's some cosmic force attached to this number causing everything. It was just that, and you know, and this extended back to when I was, even younger as well, not not when I was driving and stuff too. It, was, it originated earlier. It just started because 
because I noticed that oh, I'm having a really good day or a good time or having a lot of fun, and then I saw that number and then something bad happened, and I didn't think anything of it, but then the same experience would happen again, and I was having a good, a good time and saw the number and then bad time, and I was like, wait a second, the only common thing between these two experiences, you know, or at least the commonality that I picked up on was that I saw the number 131, and then I was like, I wonder if the 100, number 131 is a special bad luck number. And then, you know, more pattern data filtered in times when things were going bad and I saw the number and then they started going good, which led me to my ultimate, or I guess not ultimate, but <laughs> penultimate conclusion that it was an important number. And then, you know, further, I found that it actually has no effect because it's a stupid number. Um, but that was one of my superstitions. Did you believe it to the point that you would you openly discuss this? I mean, we're pretty good friends, and I do. Re- I, I think I mentioned shared this it with me before. You have sh- shared it before, but but it wasn't. I even recall when you shared it. And I don't. I, I might be misrepresenting you here, so I'm sorry. But like, it was kind of a oh, there's this weird little thing about me, and I'm just going to tell you, and then we're going to move along. Almost as if to suggest you wanted to move, like you you, you didn't want to be embarrassed by it enough to, to hide it, but you didn't want to really talk about it that much. You're like, yeah, it's just a silly thing. I think we came across 131 at some point or something, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh. And then you told me, you know, because you weren't hiding it, but you weren't exactly proud of it because it actually had, uh, it meant something to you. And, and you maybe there's a part of you that like doesn't want you know, it's easy just to go. Superstitions are really silly, and so you, you, there's the the majority, the major part of your brain says this is silly, and, and you're almost embarrassed by the little part. It's like, but one thirty one, you know. <laughs> um, so I don't, uh, so, I don't remember the instance that you're talking about. Um, I don't think I ever really believed it that strongly to where I would have truly been embarrassed by it. Uh, but. So I, I don't remember. I, I would might like have... a story. Like, is there an origin story, or at least a, a, a prime example of like, look? So here's what was happening, and then here's no. when I saw it. Because how how is it showing up on a receipt? Like, other no, than actually, this mile marker. So like, on what? on mile markers on your clock, the time at, of day, at right? One thirty one. That's yeah. a common time to see uh, one thirty one. I mean, you're always awake at one thirty one. Yeah, PM. And, yeah. Yeah, and there's an exit sign on the interstate 131 um, that I would pass. I I don't remember where this one was, but I would pass it regularly. Um, and then, um, you know, if you're listening to music and it's counting the seconds of the song, the minutes. Um, if you if you reset your uh, your odometer or your you know your trip meter when you're in your car, how many miles you've driven, then you'll see it there. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, um, you know what? I'd like to try my and... my grades. Oftentimes, my grades on you different get tests and assignments. On a test. You're very yeah. smart, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, it's a hundred point scale, but damn it, you wrote a brilliant piece, and they would just give you 131. Yeah, and that's you know bad luck. <laughs> so I'd try to just make 132 at least. I, I want to try an experiment. I want to pick a number between one and three digits, and and between now and the next podcast, uh, just to see if we notice whatever number we collectively decide on, and then like take note: can we attach this to any meaning? Whether it's a shift in luck or whether it's a, I, it doesn't matter. I'm not even going to say that. that like, I just want to like if I notice the number, first of all, do I start to see it more because I'm looking for it? I'm gonna. My hypothesis is yes, but also. Mm-hmm. 
can I attach, can I find a pattern in when it's popping up? Like, oh, it seems to be whenever I'm, you know, frustrated or when I'm reflective or whatever. Uh, does that does that sound like fun to you? Sure. Yeah, we can do that. All right. Well. What number should, do you want to pick? Uh, I like the idea of a three digit because I think if we just did six. It'd yeah, just that's too be, common. Or, it's, it's too common. So I want to do a three digit. That's really where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, you, what's funny is my email ends in 313 and that was just randomly given right, to me why don't me we do 313 Google. okay it, it's interesting because when you said 131 it was like how weird would it have been if if my email had been 131 or you know your bad luck <laughs> or maybe good luck i don't know i don't know i've had a fairly good day today so it would have been bad luck well you have screwed everything up yeah. so Let's say this, though. 313 was just randomly given to me by Google because it had my name and then it just offered, like, how about this email? It's available. And I said, okay, like, right. whatever. It's an easy, yeah. for whatever reason, it was easy enough. So 313, I would like to move forward for the next week or two uh, just looking for 313. Yeah, we can look for it. I don't know that uh, – I mean, we can we can check in next time and see. I I'm not sure that we'll see it that often in just one or two weeks. You're we'll right, find out. I don't well, know. Okay. I'm interested. We'll, we'll, I'm interested. Can we just to, make to, it our number? Then we'll t- we'll take it further. It's now. This isn't yeah. just a two week experiment. Like you and I are committed for the rest of our lives for three one three. To notice three one three. Yeah, we'll, we ne- we'll notice. It's arbitrarily decided, but we're gonna. Uh, and we'll try play- to see what it means. Playfully assign meaning and just say, "Have you ever noticed when you see three one three, it's kind of special? Like we're gonna right. treat it as special. So okay. we'll see if that actually ends up." feeling special over time i like that idea okay and then we're just gonna we're gonna name the podcast 313 well i mean we could name it the three one third space (laughs) three one third space (laughs) i like that a lot um (laughs) okay that's interesting yeah Uh, i'm down for that let's see what happens okay Really though, that's the only the that that number is the only superstitious thing I can think of that I was superstitious about. I don't know. I like the number eleven, but not. I didn't consider it lucky. Really, I just I don't know why I liked it. I just did. I didn't think it was lucky though. Uh, like when I was on my little league baseball team, I wanted to be number eleven, but I didn't really care that much. Uh, so I'm not sure why. And then I had like. Some favorite toys and cars and Pokemon and stuff like that, but that wasn't really superstition as much as just it was a preference. like just a yeah. preference. So, Wait, so Although, eleven though, like, did you have? There was no athlete. There was no. no I don't. Like, I didn't care about any athletes. I don't, I don't. I don't know why I liked it. Really, maybe it was just because it was one one the two ones. May, do you do you think that a lot of preferences can be traced back to when you're impressionable and like a kid that you or a person you like presents something like I don't know back to Josh he was a popular cool kid and he um, I mean random either randomly decided or whatever he pronounced orange was his yeah, color I remember that. He liked and in orange. some ways that's going to affect my relationship with orange either make me see it favorably because he's my friend and he's cool and i want to be cool and all of these different things or uh orange is taken now and i uh gotta find Who's my own that? color uh, yeah. I mean, that's a simple example where orange maybe isn't a good a good example be, or a color isn't good because we all agree that you can – someone can like blue and someone can like red and someone can like orange. And there's almost no uh, 
there's no nothing at stake there. It's fine and acceptable to choose different ones. But but as soon as like like take something like vanilla or chocolate, I happen to like vanilla a little more. It seems that the world prefers chocolate a little more. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm overstating that, but hmm. I don't. I'm wondering because I like them both. I probably could have been pushed in either direction. There might have been a time where a cool guy next to me was like, <laughs> "Chocolates, you know, maybe we're choosing chocolate it for sucks. some, yeah, chocolate's stupid." And I might have gone, "Yeah, yeah, it is." And like, maybe I devoted to myself to Team Vanilla, and because honestly, if I really break it down, they're both freaking delicious. And and why do I? But but I've kind of. I've I've put myself on Team Vanilla and don't really look back in that way. So uh, I like, I I put myself on Team Vanilla as well. But do you agree that like honestly a chocolatey like a chocolate milkshake can be freaking delicious? I mean, so yeah, it can be. But to me, to me, like cheap vanilla flavored things still taste pretty good. Like I like th- that cheap vanilla flavor, but cheap yeah. chocolate flavor isn't so good. And actually. Chocolate, I would say there's a broader range of chocolate flavors, and so oh, yeah. some of them are, aren't very dark good. And like, yeah. yeah, some of them are bitter or you know are not just not sweet, and like there are so many more chocolate foods, and some of them aren't good. So, but vanilla, I don't really have any experiences eating something vanilla and it being bad. I'm sure there are yeah. things like that, but I just haven't eaten them. You know, vanilla wafers, vanilla ice cream. Um, vanilla, like what, like vanilla bean uh, cheesecake. I don't know. Sure, yeah, all, all the vanilla stuff. Like I drink vanilla extract. All that stuff is really tasty. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't well, do that. I, uh, I'm with you. So it, you're more confident that if you're ordering a milkshake from a place, you're more confident that if, especially if it's cheaper, it's safer yeah. to go vanilla. But well, I don't know where I'm even going with that. I'm just saying that at an impressionable age, you can for- start forming opinions yeah. on things no, that I are think actually right. preference-based, not just arbitrary favorite color or favorite. Like, you could have been next to a kid who liked the number 11 or didn't like it, and that right. just really, you know, well, my I, I, value I think... of cleanliness stems from, my, you know, David's lack of value of cleanliness, and I started to care more and more about it and he started to be like chill out you're being uptight and then you need to (laughs) get your stuff together and clean right and so my values were actually shaped by you know his his uh preferences i think a lot of times too like i mean kids they will model after their parents even so it's not I guess it's hard to say what's genuine, but it's not their genuine preference. It's just that, you know, their dad likes Chevy trucks. And so they like Chevy trucks and they never, ever grow out of that. You know, it's just a, it's a preference between, you know, Ford or Chevy or whatever. And their dad drives a Chevy truck. So they like Chevy trucks, even when they, you know, turn into adults, that's what they are. And that's how you get these and sports teams are the same way, right? Like, Whatever your family, whatever your dad likes, probably you're going to like whatever sports teams all yeah. the way. No, you're right. It makes it makes sense. I, I was just even thinking of like the development of something like a new fast food chain. Let's just take Cookout, for example, reasonably new. It's not super new or anything. But let's say someone goes, oh, Cookout, I don't know anything about it. And you're, and someone said, oh, it's this just tacky little cheap 
fast food chain, disgusting, whatever. I mean, it's pretty good, I mm-hmm. guess. But, like, you know, right. they can even just say disgusting and good in the same sentence. I feel like you can do that with fast food. But just be like, it's just this tacky little place. Or someone goes, oh, man, you can get and just, you know, lights up and, and sells it. Like, that, that me hearing about it from a trusted friend or source, like, right. it's got an uphill battle with me if you if, that, if it's been told to me. Or, like, if a, a cyclist, a cyclist tells you, like, <laughs> hey, you ought to try out Cookout, man. I ride my cycle there every day. <laughs> then I'm just going to be like, this place probably sucks. <laughs> well, like, that, yeah, that's the bias. It's not just bias, but, like, I've been primed to think that maybe it's cheap. Like, if someone said, oh, it's this cheap, tacky little place, and then I would go in looking for cheap and tacky, and then I see that there are cheap and tacky elements. Or someone emphasizes the value, and then I walk in, and I see I can get, you know, uh, uh, quesadillas aside. Like, wow, that is a great value, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I've been primed for what to pay attention to, and so I see what that thing. Um, sure. And therefore, like, yeah, I end up with that opinion um, you know, more often than not, I guess is what I would say. Not all the time, right. but but more, it, it's going to influence me. I have right. to overcome it if I'm going to, and I have to go. That person was wrong, and then I have to evaluate their ability to evaluate. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like I, I mean, that all makes sense, and I think that that kind of is the case. It's kind of like you know, expectations versus reality. There's a little bit of that. Um, but but definitely, I think you are primed. People can set you up to experience something. So, like, if I'm pitching a game or a movie to you, like, I can have significant influence on your opinion after the movie or game or whatever is over with just based on how I pitch it to you. Yeah. Like, at, you're saying after the, the the movie's over? Yeah, so, like, if I told you that, oh, man, the Lion King movie is... Uh, you know, supposed to be really good, and, like, did you know this cool fact about it, and did you know that lions are actually real animals? The movie is, is based on, you know, real animals. <laughs> Not, lions aren't just made up. And you'd be like, what, really? And so you're going to go into that movie Prime to enjoy it because of that kind of thing. And, like, you'll come out the other end, potentially, like, having been swayed significantly by that. Whereas <laughs> if I told you, like some bad things about the movie and that, uh, like, did you know that the soundtrack is actually just, it's all synthetic. Like no one actually played an instrument at the whole time. It's all just synthetic soundtrack and you know, it's copy pasted essentially. Um, no, what you're saying makes sense to me because it actually did not get the favorable reviews that I was expecting. It got generally favorable reviews. They're not, it's not garbage. It was clear, but what they said is because they went for that almost like photorealistic, you know, uh, animals, the scene uh, when Mufasa is killed. Uh, what? You, spoiler alert! <laughs> this is nineteen ninety two. Spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah, I know. I haven't seen the new one though. Well, it's a scene for scene remake. Yeah. So that scene though, that's this. So with an animated movie, you can have all the the characters looking sad and surprised and shocked and all the different yeah. emotions. And since they went for reali- realism, they didn't exaggerate those expressions, meaning they just looked like animals, like not really feeling much, which is going to uh, impact the emotional. So since I've been told that I'm, and it's probably true. I mean, that just makes logical sense. Mm-hmm. I will look and critique that scene more than I'm, if I had just gone by myself and, you right. know, I don't know. Maybe or, I wouldn't have noticed or something. I don't know. Or, you know, if you weren't told that and you went, then you might be living in your nostalgic memories of the animated movie and remembering the emotion, 
you know, that you felt during those scenes when you watched the original animated movie and and feel those same emotions again, just purely out of nostalgia and memory. Right, Whereas, because it, you've yeah. been primed to pay attention and actually bring yourself into the present and pay attention to the visuals put in front of you rather than living in your nostalgic memory, then you actually would not feel that emotion because you're not paying attention to your memories. You're actually looking at the scene and recognizing that, wait, this is different. Right. And it's supposed to, regardless of whether they achieved it or not, they were attempting for an emotional scene. But the irony of critiquing an emotional scene is now I will be approaching it from a, from an intellectual standpoint and not an emotional one. Instead of just letting it wash over me and enjoying that scene, I will be primed to pay attention to that, which almost certainly, even if they succeeded, I won't feel the emotion. So I've been robbed of the even the potential of that of feeling that emotion because I'll be looking at it from an academic sense going, hmm, well, I'll decide. And even if I decide they're wrong, I can't both decide that and experience. You can't analyze and experience. I feel like you have to experience hmm. then analyze. Um, I mean, that's a big statement. thought, I guess. But like, it's, like it's, it's, it's why you have to go out into the world and do things and then you have to reflect on them. Now, I'm not saying just act like, instinctually or like an animal and just go out and not think I'm saying you, you make decisions or you you process things. It's difficult to process and experience at the same. It's like data collection versus like doing something with the data and growing from it. It's like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. What about predicting or envisioning how a situation will go and then doing it? In in that case, couldn't you both experience and validate your prediction in a more analytical fashion at the same time? Um, well, certainly we strategize, so maybe it's a difficult conversation you have to have, or just the best way to approach a theme park because you've laid out we need to go here, here, and here, and then once you let's say you let's let's go with that example, the theme park. So you said go to these rides early because the lines have shown statistically to not have long lines at this p- part of the day. And so you go and it's bearing itself out that is true and you feel happy. You you, you recognize that in the you, as you get show up and sure enough there's no line and you're right in front of the roller coaster or whatever and you're like happy. Um I mean I just I just I don't Maybe it wasn't a good example, but the point is to me that you can't be both like, like these are two separate phenomenon going, whether it's the planning or reflecting, and then there's the action. Of course, actions aren't completely thoughtless in the moment. Like you're still a conscious human being, but like if a, if a, if you're on a date and you get, and it's a first date or something or whatever date and there's a, the kiss happens, like that's an emotional experience in which you're not going huh like you're maybe your mind's racing i don't know but but what if let's say let's say it's the third date and you feel like it's you know it's time to go in for a kiss and so you're planning this ahead of time right like it is the night before or the day before or something and you're thinking this is something i want to do it's the right time whatever right and so you have this tentative plan in place and you know you have the experience all mapped out about how you think it's going to go and then the date arrives and you know the events are happening and and like you've pre-planned this you can still experience the emotion of the situation right even though you are analyzing how the events are playing out as they do right like i guess i have to distinguish between 
like, let's say you, for, first of all, on that third day, you're saying, if I feel things out, if I sense that they are going well, I'll go in for the kiss, you know? And certainly when you're sensing them or you're feeling them out, that is thinking, that is analytical in nature, even though we might say it's, it's not deep in terms of like reflecting big, long-term growth oriented, like life questions, but it's like, it's immediate thought. So, so, I mean, I guess there's just different types and levels of thought. And, and so what I'm saying is you can't both experience something and have the, prof- the profound, deep, higher level thoughts during that time. You're obviously always thinking, uh, like, emotions See, I'm not sure. are I don't. Thought. I'm not sure that I agree with that. Like, I, I, I think I'm on the same page, at least with the part about, you know, generally you experience something, especially if it's something unexpected, and then you process it later, and you really appreciate whatever emotional impact it had on you later. Mm-hmm. Like, that absolutely happens. But I do think, like, I don't think it's fair to say that you can't analyze and experience at the same time. I think you can, and especially if the experience is a slow experience. So, like, a kiss is pretty brief. I mean, I guess depending on the kind of kiss, but... You know, the kind that we're talking about is probably pretty brief. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, if it's something, for example, like skiing, then the time that you're going down a mountain slope and having fun and having that experience, like, it's long enough that you can think about what's going on while you're doing it and having fun. And to me, anyway, that's, that's, it's almost a positive feedback loop of enjoyment when I'm, when I'm enjoying something, I'm having an experience, a fun emotional experience, and then I think about like, holy crap, I'm having a fun emotional experience, and this is what I'm doing. It almost reinforces what's going on. Yeah, Have you never I mean, had that? Does I, that not happen to you? I, yeah, well, I guess the answer is of course it does in terms of like, Obviously, I'm having fun in moments in life, and I have this real. I, I I'm aware and just appreciative that I am indeed having fun, and like you have these thoughts of like life is good or ah uh, like better better capture moments like these because they don't happen all the time. You know, all all of that. Um, the, I mean, the the reverse can also be true, and this I I know we've talked about this a few times. I think recently even where you're having a bad experience, and it's almost like. I mean, it's pretty obvious to you that the experience you're in is bad, but in a way, you can step back almost from a from a, 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 an objective outside of the experience position and examine what's going on and like analyze the situation. Even though you're in it having this emotional bad experience, you can step back and think like, "Wow, is this really happening right now? Like, okay. are these the events that are happening to me?" And it's bizarre that feeling. Okay, so the language you used is interesting. So, in it and stepping back. And I guess that's I mean, those are those are both metaphorically charged words. Like you're in it and then you're stepping back. And so, mm-hmm. it is difficult to be in you know stepping forward in it and and stepping back at the same at si- like literally simultaneously i'm just saying i'm trying to recognize well, there's a difference between th- there is a difference things, but but, but it, i think the key the key component is the speed of thought like thought happens very fast i mean for all intents and purposes instantaneously and yeah. so like moments don't happen instantaneously like if you're having an argument that's not instantaneous unless you're really good at arguing like that's going to be, right. you know, it's going to take some time. There's, and, and you can have 
hundreds, thousands of thoughts in the span of that one argument. And some of those thoughts might be analytical or reserved, stepping back. And then other times, you know, you're going to be focused in on the task or whatever is happening is all I'm saying. I, like, I think depending on the time scale of the, the thing, you could either, I just think you can, you can experience and analyze all within one event. Yeah, I don't, I guess the analysis that I'm talking about almost requires distance from the event or the experience itself. So, of course, I can be saying I'm having fun and I recognize I'm having so much fun and I can record that like and it's and it does have this positive feedback loop. All of that I agree with, but but um the reflection of the moment the the deep analysis later is only something like that can happen with some distance. So because I'm during the experience, I'm, I'm in it with emotion. Like I'm leading with, I am having this thing. I'm having this moment, this experience, this, and, and of course you're thinking like your brain has thoughts and it might even be some cerebral higher level stuff. But like for the most part, you're leading with the, emotions and feelings and senses and experiences and then you get to later i guess unpack the the meaningfulness of it or the the real rich lessons so i mean i think we're say we're not really disagreeing we're just kind of like yeah i think when we i think we mean different things when we're saying analysis hearing you say that i I understand what you're saying a little bit better now um and so yeah, I guess it's a disagreement. There are two on different analysis. things. That's where the yeah, yeah 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 it's two there are different, two different things. things. Um, so like to me that 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 delayed unpacking that you're talking about, you know, I can see how I can see how you could classify that as analysis. I mean, so it, the skiing it, thing can only be appreciated in its entirety once the experience is complete, and now that you can go back and or you can. It's a, a complete experience. You know what that ski trip was like. You know what. Yeah, I see what you're saying. All... I mean, I don't think, like, I I do think that it, we're talking about two different kinds of analysis. So what I'm talking about is very event event focused. So the f- emotional feeling, the joy you get when you're moving fast down a slippery slope, like that feeling of fun, that that pretty time restricted emotional response. That's what I'm talking about. But you are talking about, and this is, you know, this is appropriate considering, considering your personality and everything. That when you're talking about emotional response, you're not thinking about that short time duration fun. You're talking about reflecting on the experience of putting yourself in an unusual situation with friends, and uh, you know, taking a vacation time, or all, all these other higher level concepts, yeah, and yeah. tying those in. And f- weaving those into you know your life and your reflection, which makes yeah. sense, and I and that definitely that definitely happens. So you're saying you can't do that sort of deep analysis while you're in the moment. Yes, yes. Thank you. I feel understood. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's it's useful to separate the two, although that's all I'm saying is it's useful to think about experiences, and it's useful to think about the usefulness of those experiences as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I agree with that. That is useful. And, and I think I'm still not willing to say it can't be done. Sometimes I think that the connections are so obvious and intuitive that 
they form immediately and you can appreciate what's happening while it's happening deeply. But yeah, yeah. But I, think, I mean, but I think generally I agree with you that doesn't happen. You know, it takes time for you to unpack the meaning of things. Yes. Yeah. So time and even some, um, uh, yeah, the, the distance is creates some sensibility that you can approach it in only a way that can be approached through distance. So like right. the meaning of a breakup obviously in that moment can mean something and me and it can be profound and deep but three years later when you don't feel it anymore um you 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 can provide an analysis that you could not in the in the day or the moment that it happened you just you have to have that sort of in order to get that bigger picture higher highest level of meaning Mm -hmm. from it so well and also like it the way your mind works, like as you encounter new events and new things, you that it 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 brings up that memory of the important event, and you you link those two things. So, you know, for example, if you're talking about a breakup three years ago or whatever, and you're living your life, and you come across an event that reminds you of something that happened in the breakup or whatever, and it affects you differently, you link those two events, and now you have more information. You've actually learned more about the meaning of that past event because of something new that happened. So because as time progresses, you form more and more of these links and you round out your idea of the thing that happened in the past. It makes sense that you can only form the most in-depth analysis and the broadest picture after some time goes by because you've built more of those links. Yeah. There's something even beautiful about the idea of, okay, so that again, the breakup, the old breakup, and you come across something that reminds you of the relationship or even the breakup specifically, and you feel sad, but that sadness is, I would even say like a safe sort of sadness, a safety of a, a safe sadness and reflection on the events that can only happen because of that time and that distance. And, and so that sadness is a different brand than the the brand that was thrust upon you in the throes of the actual breakup. Like that was more of like a devastation or a or a whatever, but uh, but it, certainly a different feeling. Um, hmm. Yeah, and so when um, you have when you have that reflection of it, you can remember the devastation and inform, informed by the new the new sadness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So we're 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 going on a little long here. I want to yeah, draw us back to I'm superstition briefly because I have some cool some just cool things that I want to throw out there, and we don't have to talk about them that that much. You might find them interesting. Um, so actually, like one of the things that I I was going to ask, and we kind of got into it a little bit. Where does superstition come from? And we kind of posited that we think that maybe some of them come from pattern recognition that doesn't have all the information like my 131 um yeah. or uh walking under a ladder could even be pattern recognition you know if you knock enough enough ladders over um some of them are you know have religious roots and everything but the question is to socially uh make people do what what you feel like they should even though i can't yeah really yeah reason they for. might be manipulative like um like not not seeing the bride before the the wedding or something right Right, like, well, Maybe. why can't I? And then just, it's bad luck. Like, like it just seems like this kind of non-answer. Like, we don't have a good mm-hmm. answer, but we want this thing, and so we'll just tell you it's bad luck and, and could be it. Ma- maybe 
manipulative origins. Yeah, but yeah. do you think that there is any um, any biological or, I guess, uh, natural element in superstition, like, at all? Like, do you think maybe there is any sort of non... Uh, I I don't want to say psychological because it is psychological, but um, like, would you expect animals to have superstition? Uh, well, uh, it's <coughs> like, funny because is it an evolved behavior? I guess. Okay, so well, I was thinking of the word instincts and like maybe an instinct. I I don't know. I'm trying to think about like as a kid, you're walking along and you notice the cracks in the, and you either make it. it you intentionally select to avoid the cracks or maybe step on them. I don't know, but you start mm. just, you gamify it in your mind. Uh, but, but why did you notice the cracks? I mean, it was a breaking of the smooth pavement, right? Like it's a, it's, I mean, even if they're intentional, you know, laid out in slabs, these concrete slabs, there's going to be a, uh, a, a line there and you don't want to step on it. And like, why, where did that come from? Maybe that developed beforehand. Like, like because I noticed something different, mm, that's what you're saying. I don't know. Just I noticed well, something different, and then my mind started to play with it. And then there's this thing that all humans were doing that too. Like, oh, you noticed the crack. I noticed the crack. Maybe it's bad luck to step to 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 step on it. I don't. I don't really know. I don't know where to go with that. But well, I think I see something you might be getting at, which is, I mean evolutionarily speaking it makes sense that we notice things that are different or things that stand out either either for good or bad right so like yeah. you can imagine if we notice the bright colors of um you know of, of an animal generally that those are warning signs and it might make sense for us to notice something different and behave in a particular way when we notice that different thing and so if there is some sort of evolutionary basis then maybe Maybe that is it. Like we're just our attention is drawn to things that are different and that stand out and that break patterns. And then I think, I think maybe the higher parts of our brain try to assign reason to that, and that's yes. where we get into the the superstition. But right, the thing I wanted to to mention that I found really interesting, I didn't know this. Um, actually, you may have heard of the guy uh, B. F. Skinner. You remember hearing about I him? I have. Yes. The well, guy who did the did. the cat. You know, Skinner's box is. The cat in the box. Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the cat. The box is Schrodinger. Yeah. No, B.F. Skinner did something else big, though. Anyway, Skinner also did an experiment (laughs) um, on pigeons. And so I thought this was really cool. So he starved the pigeon. That's not the cool part. Um, He starved the pigeon and put it in a cage. And then there's a food dispenser that would kind of drop down on a timer. But the way the pigeon behaved is that it was conditioned uh, based on whatever it was doing when the dispenser appears, and it would try to do that behavior again to make the dispenser appear. So, for uh. example, there was a pigeon that would, like, he was turning in circles when the dispenser appeared, and so, you know, then the dispenser would go away, and when he was hungry, he would turn in circles again. He would just <laughs> turn in circles to try to make the dispenser appear. And one yeah. one of the birds even decided that only counterclockwise turning would make the dispenser appear because that's the pattern that it latched on to. Oh, wow. And there's, Isn't there's that cool? Some, that is really cool, especially to think a pigeon has this sort of recognition and decision making like oh i recognize this happened i think i'm certain that is odd and that is well, very that is into superstitious category right like because well I but mean, that's what reinforces my my thought that like superstition is 
I mean, it is pattern recognition. It's assigning meaning to things that you it, don't understand, but but you rec- you can recognize that there there may be cause and effect. You can see the pattern, and so you you work within that pattern to try to predict the effect. I think the key is vulnerability too. Like it happened during a vulnerable, like food is really important. Maybe they were hungry. And like, if you could somehow measure their hunger, you recognize that the, the, the pigeons that were hungrier and they were doing this thing or more like the, I just mean that. Well, like, yeah, I seems, mean, it seems there, that we I latch mean, on to the right. meeting when we feel more vulnerable, like we're not busy or, or purpose driven or like on to other things. We're just kind of flailing. And then we like, we want meaning in our lives and we attach it to something or like, well, I'm just imagining you, you being online as a, a teenage boy and like the, the girl you have a crush on turns out she has a, an online screen name with one, three, one. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> like, like that just freaking you out. Like, or you know, I don't know. I mean, it's totally made up, but, but I'm just well, saying that, like, that. I think there is an aspect of, uh, I think desperation is too strong of a word, but, but, but it's only when you're invested in the outcome that you do develop the superstition. Uh, so I, I think you're right about that. And that investment can vary. For animals, you know, usually it is hunger or some base desire yeah, that fuels it. For humans, it could be something as simple as entertainment that fuels the development of a superstition. Um, but I do think that you're right. And I, I think also another another interesting study that I found um, was conducted on, on people. It was a psychological study, and it studied their superstitious rituals, and it found, you've probably heard this before, that superstitious people who engage their superstition actually do better than non-superstitious people that uh, do the same act- activity. If they're similarly skilled approaching a task? <laughs> yeah, so assuming, they took yeah. some athletes, and they did this with women and men, and I, I forget all the details, but they made them do these simple things like putting, like putting a ball, or other ball-and-hole puzzles, matching and anagrams and stuff like that. And what they did was they, they surveyed people who had you know good luck charms and that sort of thing, and they, they did a number of different controls, but like they would do superstitious people, um, and they would give people their lucky charm and have them do the task, and then other people they would deprive them of their lucky charm and have them do the task. And they found that the people with their good luck charm did better than the people deprived. And then they did the same thing with non-superstitious people. And the superstitious people that had their lucky charms generally did better than the other categories of people. Yep. And the ones without it were probably did worse or, you know, were denied it. I imagine it would be those. I mean, if you believe you're charmed, you're charmed. If you believe you're cursed, you're cursed. Like, it's, if I recall correctly, I didn't write this down. If I recall correctly, the people who depra- who were who didn't have their lucky charm present actually did about the same as the people who weren't superstitious uh, at all. So, so we the should be group. superstitious then. <laughs> like it's, right. it's well, that neutral was, or positive. That was the outcome of this particular study, which I thought was interesting. But the reason like, it ma- the ahead. reason makes sense because it it relieves your psychological tension, right? Like you Yeah. When you have your lucky charm, you feel like you're more in control and you're not vulnerable and you have self-confidence. Right. And that allows you to focus more on the task at hand rather than be distracted by how weak you are or how unlucky you are or whatever. Plus, you don't really believe in like some crazy force behind it. So if you're if you don't have it with you, you're not if you're an adult and well adjusted, you're not panicky. You're just like, eh. So that sure. makes sense why it wouldn't be below. Now, if they if they took the guy's ten year old lucky charm and like 
lit it on fire in front of him. And like, <laughs> and like, I, I think that that could actually do something. But if you just happen to not have it on person, right? Like I could yes, just see him being like, right. well, I mean, whatever. It's not like, I'm yeah, I think what really they did is magic. So they brought him into the room, asked him some questions about their lucky charm and stuff. And then for some of the people, they said, okay, come into this room and do this task and bring your lucky charm. And then for others, they, they, you know, they examined the charm in one room and then left it in the room and had them come into the other room to do the task. And yeah. so they were separated from it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that actually, so that makes total sense. So just, I should get myself a lucky charm. I guess so. And, and believe it works, but you don't have to believe in some cosmic force making it work, but, or I guess like you, you kind of do, but it's like, it's toying that line of it being playful, I guess, you know, I mean, I, I indulge the playfulness. I don't walk under, you know, I avoid. I mean, I guess like if your job required you to listen to music or like review audio or something, then, you know, setting the volume on your desired numbers would make you better at your job. Yeah. Well, uh, interesting. Or, well, you're just weird in the way you use that superstition. And so actually it wouldn't make you any better. It It would just... It would just make you worse if you had it set to uh, <laughs> It's the worst uh, way I could have done it. <laughs> yeah, you're a terrible superstitious person. I'm not super satisfied if it's divisible by ten. I'm just I'm just neutral. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're... uh the, the I forgot what I was gonna say. Ugh. I don't know. But like that's actually why ritual exists, I guess. That's why like institutions have rituals that kind of let us collectively participate in some form of a little a little thing that's nice and you do it because ritual and it's and there's a relationship between ritual and superstition, I think. And so uh, uh I think that that's to fair to say. I think ritual is probably a little bit bigger than just that though. Agreed, I know, and that's that's un, un, And that's a larger topic. Packing another Pandora's worms or whatever, so Yep. Um, Open another, opening another can of Pandora's. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As they say. All right. Well, that's a nice, uh, <clears throat> nice podcast, man. Good job. Pass, nice podcasting. Do 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 do. Bye. Podcast. <laughs> we gotta come up with something better. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.